uh, it's poetry, you know. A cold October night, a broken down car on a dirt road, a man, a girl, madness, pain, and shadow. My God, the shadow. Panel of Tintin, panel of a memory. Panel of Tintin, panel of a memory. It's Tintin, Funboy, T-Bird. Top Dollar is the main bad guy. Again, Tintin, Funboy, T-Bird, Top Dollar. Shelby the Giant. Tintin, Tom Tom. Too confusing. Gather together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. You mean our guest tonight is dedicated to truth, justice, and peace. It's the world's greatest superpower show. Hi, welcome to Mining the Multiverse. My name is Gabriel. And I'm Jeremy. And we're here to talk comics, culture, and to celebrate the entire cinematic oeuvre of Brandon Lee. Starting with, of course... 1989's seminal classic, Laser Mission. Are you familiar with that one, Jeremy? No. No? No. I've I've never seen it, nor have I heard of it until I looked at these notes. <laughs> well, according to IMDb, mercenary Michael Gold, played by Brandon Lee, is sent from the CIA to seize a laser expert in Cuba before the KGB catches him. A recently stolen giant diamond could be used to construct a laser cannon, which could bring power over the whole world. Dun, dun, now, doesn't that sound dun. amazing? How have you not seen Laser Mission? No, you know, I'm a big fan of Brandon Lee, and I'm a big, big, big fan of his dad. Sure. But uh, when it comes to Laser Mission, I was completely unaware of that one. I guess I'm not that huge of a fan since I don't know the deep cuts, huh? <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, you have to be... You know, pretty solid Brandon Lee fan to be as familiar with Laser Mission. Laser as, Mission. No, I I, I know his I know his bigger films. You know. Yeah. Um, well, did you, you know. know that Brandon Lee also starred in a film adaptation of the Caliber Press classic, The Crow? Oh yes, I did. Are you familiar with that one? I, I'm pretty familiar <laughs> with that one. All right. Well, I think I think everybody is familiar with that one. Yeah, I would say that the majority of the world knows the one we're talking about. Well, in all seriousness, one of the best soundtracks of all time. Absolutely. I was actually playing it while I was writing this outline, so if the show starts to get a little extra dramatic, that's that's probably why. I mean, it really it helps. It sets the tone, you know? It sets the mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'll add in some, you know, extra dramatic sound effects. That'll help us along. Absolutely. I'm down. I'm down with the dramatic effects. It always helps. Yeah, we might. It's like it. gradients in in graphic design. Mm. If you don't have a gradient, you're not a pro. And we are pros. <laughs> Comic Sans. Text. Our eleven listeners will attest to that. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we are covering 1989's The Crow from Caliber Press, and this is the first running. This is the original Crow story. Gets a little little heavy um, for. For four issues, it's a yes. packs a lot in. So yeah, you want to you want to take it away? Yeah. So uh, the crow. I'm sure that most people listening to this are going to know at least of the movie's existence, right? Right. Most people are going to have seen this. I would guess. I mean, it's such a cult classic at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm in that boat. Like I, I've I've seen the movie 
you know, a couple of times, but I, I never read the comic. And, you know, I, I never read the comic either up until recently, which is pretty bad. I keep saying I'm a big fan of comics and there's all these classics that I've never read. And <laughs> I've seen I've seen the Crow movie from it was in 1994 that starred Brandon Lee. Unfortunately, he lost his life during the making of the movie, which makes it, you know, a, a much more culty classic time of thing. It has such a macabre history, you know, it, it, it adds a lot of real world drama into an already dramatic story. Yes. You know, like, like so much of the crow story is about, you know, death. Pain. And, it's, it's you know, just straight up pain. pain and despair. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then when you go to film the adaptation, the beloved star killed, and right. it's like, wow. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's on brand. It's rough. It's kind of the same. It's kind of the same deal. You know, it it lends. I don't want to say like authenticity because I mean it was. They're actors. They do the best right. they can. But like right. somebody dying during the production of a movie is never good. Right. But it it definitely adds to the mystique or the drama, the 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 hype around a film because everybody gets interested. It's it sucks, but it's the truth. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened with like Poltergeist. You know that little girl who was in what the first three she died after the third one during the third yeah. one or something like that. And the, the big sister was murdered by her boyfriend. So like all these movies, you know, where this kind of stuff happens, it just, it sticks in the popular culture's memory forever. The twilight zone movie. Oh dude, that one of the worst, like, yeah, that was a legit God. tragedy. <laughs> Vic Marrow and those poor kids. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, look it up. I'm not going to talk about it because it makes me sad. Yeah, this is a, yeah. This gets sad enough. We don't need to add more to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just look up Vic Marrow. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. And those those poor kids. But yeah, there there's a history of of this kind of thing, and 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 it seems to have more legs, some more kind of dramatic and macabre. The story sure is around it, you know. So you have Poltergeist, you have the Twilight Zone, you have the Crow, you know, and these are all stories of death and horror and scary stuff right right <laughs> that i tend to avoid it would kind of i don't think that it would be as long lasting if the movie itself was not good but these oh, are yeah. these are decent movies and like that's true yeah the crow is one of my favorites i've seen it mm-hmm. too many times i don't even know and i haven't watched it in a long time it was mostly when i was growing up but mm-hmm. i've seen it enough to almost know it scene by scene and uh you know if the if the movie was bad it would have a much, much smaller cult following. Right. And it would be a different kind of vibe. You know, yeah. like it would be more of a B movie culty kind of vibe, kind of your Ed Wood kind of scene. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this felt different. This is, this a- is, well, it's a, it's a legacy rather than a, ooh, that was his last, ooh. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And then to, to have the, the history with, you know, Bruce Lee as well. I mean, I added more of that kind of legend. Yeah, stacks on top of stacks, right? Like it's just another layer of that of that original tragedy. It's it's yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like a recipe for a perfect urban legend. <laughs> yeah, especially considering the the nature of the crow itself deals with death in a big yeah, way. Yeah, just it just it f- all fits so well together. I think you know in that time frame, like it, it it made for you know the the perfect story to tell your your other gothy teenage friends, right? <laughs> Well, like was mentioned before, um, James Obar is the writer, creator, artist of the original Crow. Um, I, I didn't do a ton of research into the series as a whole. 
Um, I don't know if James O'Barr is the, the writer creator of every single version of the crow, the crow being, you know, an entity that brings folks back from the dead after a tragic murder or accident, basically an agent of like vengeance. Right. Okay. Um, and the first book is goes after Eric, uh, in the book, I don't, I mean, I just read it, but I, and I don't think they ever said his last name, Draven. Okay. In the in the movie, everybody knows he plays Eric Draven. In the book, it's just Eric. Okay. Um, a lot of the characters are the same. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> it's it, and the reason why James Obar created it and wrote it was because he was dealing with the death of his girlfriend uh, at the hands of a drunk driver. Mm. And like you said before, it was published by Caliber Comics in 1989. And then the film was in 1994. You know, actually, that's not a long time. You know, for the original comic to come out in 1989 and then a film right. in 94, that's a really quick turnaround. I actually kind of hadn't put that together. And it, it, it's one of those things. This comic wasn't ever created, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but it, I don't think it was created with... Oh, such a huge following in mind. It was more of this guy putting something out as therapy. Right. But I think it's that that is the reason why it got so popular. It comes from a real place. It comes from a horrible place, yeah, but it still comes from a real place. That's true. Yeah, it's it's not just trying to make up a new hero or trying to come no. up with something clever. I mean, this is essentially art therapy that right. you know we all got to kind of eavesdrop on. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, great art comes from pain. It That's really does. Adage, so, um, yeah, yeah, that could that could also be why the the story is so compelling. It just came from such a real place. It and and it's such a like I said before a, a horrible place. You know, it's the the despair, the loneliness, and just the the overwhelming pain of of that loss is where it came from. He didn't know how to deal with it. And mm-hmm. um, uh, the version that I read was a trade paperback. I don't have the single issues, unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's a that's a uh, a work in progress. That's a work in progress. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, hopefully, you know, things work out one of these days, and I can get my hands on them. But that's for another day's discussion. But yeah, <laughs> I read the trade. Uh, it's pretty heavy. It starts off really heavy. This is not a book that is meant to be like a happy go lucky. There's yeah, this is not a traditional like superhero book. No, no, no. I mean, he has super abilities. You know, he's a it's a fiction, of course. This is he he is a super powered being. Yeah. You know, but not it's not it's he's not doing this because he's trying to save the world. He's doing this because he's he needs to he needs revenge. It's he needs vengeance for what happened to him and his right. his fiance Shelley. And so, for for those of you listening who thought this was a comic based on Sting, the pro wrestler, it is not. <laughs> it is not. No, no. This Sting, is coming from a very different place. Yes, came from same, yeah. very similar makeup, <laughs> very similar wardrobe. Right. Very different story. Very different story. I think Sting. Uh, got a lot of inspiration for the look from from this book. A lot, but not so much. Th- he had tracing paper. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> inspired by. Yeah, inspired by was the nice way of saying. Totally took the look for himself. <laughs> hey, you know, it's one of those things where it worked for him. I'm happy for him, but it's definitely only the look. It's in the content of it, nowhere near the same. Right. So. You know, the book opens, it's a all black page 
with uh, white text and it says pain and basically what this little page is a, is like a quick little thought of what happened you know a year ago cold October night a broken down car on a dirt road a man a girl madness pain and the shadows my god the shadows wow the the way that this is written is very much like you know when you're in your darkest mm-hmm. you know points in your life you don't you're not thinking in, in great detail you're just thinking about what you feel and it's usually pain it's usually mm-hmm. fear it's usually hurt and you know awfulness so this this book is written a lot like that and there's a lot of poetry to back that up is it written more like a journal than a narrative like where it's just like these big ideas or or is it you can kind of say that it's it's kind of journalistic in that okay. he's using it as as therapy okay um and some of these like i f- we find out later as you as we read the first four books these these are pulled from things that are said in the book already so you know the next thing it says fear he screams and screams pounds his head against the wall until wailing phantom fire trucks paces across his vision pain pain is all he wants and hate yes hate we shall never forget and never forgive and never ever fear fear is for the enemy fear and bullets so wow that's a dramatic endpoint <laughs> yes it, it it it's very you know something bad happened yeah and he can't feel anything but pain pain is what he wants because pain is all he has and there's there's no room to to fear or anything else it's just vengeance it's just getting back at these people so it's just pain and then inflicting pain but it's just pain it's just an overall of distributing pain around yes and there's there no at no point in this book at least as i read it i never felt like there was any kind of remorse for who the crow kills, no uh, regret for taking any of these people out. There's no um, finding the good in any of these folks to try and leave. You know, there's there's no redeeming qualities to these people, and the crow knows that. Mm. And so it's it's straight up, you're gonna die because you deserve it, and and there's there's no apology for that. And not a lot of nuance. It's just these are these are bad people, and this is what's going to happen to them. <laughs> yeah, and it and there's no question that these are bad people. And you 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 know I'll I'll get into it in a little bit. There's zero question that these are bad people. They need to be put down. That's what the crow is all about. It's it's the spirit of vengeance. Every other story of the crow is the same way. It comes from a place of pain and despair and loss. So we move on. We're um, like I said, this is the trade. So this isn't the beginning of the first book. This is a, a chapter, I guess you could call it inertia. And it's just a little bit of an introduction. Um, I don't know if inertia was before or after the first books were released. But in the trade paperback, it comes before the story actually start, starts, if that makes sense. Okay. And so we're introduced to this bald fellow with a knife in his pocket and a TV. Or it looks like a TV at first, but then I realized that it's a stereo under his arm, like a receiver. 
I thought it was a TV, but they weren't flat back then. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, uh, it's 1989, <laughs> so yeah, that, the stereo receiver is going to be a... It's a, a whole thing, yeah. It's a, that's a whole man job. That's like, where my, my brain automatically was like, oh, he's got a TV. Oh, wait, no, TVs weren't freaking flat back then. So it's a it's a stereo oh, that he's got yeah. under his arm. Stereo is 140 pounds. Um, and he's thinking to himself, you know, hey, I got this Toshiba, and, uh, you know, Eddie pays... A hundred bucks for Toshiba. He's he's in the rock now. If if he steals five more of those stereos, he can afford to buy a first run number one issue of the Crow. Five hundred bucks at least, or more, <laughs> depending on the time of year that I've been looking. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so he, he he's he's thinking yeah. about he's thinking to himself the score that he just got a hundred bucks. He's gonna he's gonna get some rock tonight, which I'm gonna assume is. Crack cocaine rock, and that's nineteen eighty nine, a hundred dollars. So that was like being a millionaire. Probably not a millionaire. <laughs> Probably not. I'm not good at math. We're hey, we're not financial experts. We, <laughs> we're talking about comics here. But he he's he's talking to himself, and he, or he's thinking to himself. You know, these people can, you know, they can't feed their kids, but they got nice shit like Toshiba's. You know, now he has the expensive thing and that's awesome for him. And it's his hundred bucks, blah, blah, blah. So he's stoked. He's really happy, but he's, he's suddenly very suddenly startled when a very large man in all black just appears. It seems this way that's drawn. It's just like, boom, there he is. It's very startling. Yeah. Cause it, it's not that he's just all in black and, and tall. Cause I mean, he's drawn much taller than people. It seems to me anyway. Um, he's also got the makeup on already. You know what I mean? So the, the story, at least in the trade starts out where he's already got the makeup going on. And this is 1989. So now you would just think it was like a wayward juggalo. <laughs> But back then. Yeah, like why would you be dressed like a, a mime in all leather? So so the bald the bald thief here, he drops the stereo. And he says, Jesus H. Christ, right? He says, Holy shit, startled him that bad, you know, and this guy's supposed to be a tough guy. This must be quite the sight. Oh yeah, and to mention the art, the the whole the whole series of what I read is all black and white. Okay, yeah, I was gonna ask about that. Kinda reminiscent of a Frank Miller. A, a very stark Hmm. contrasty lines um not so much the angles that frank miller would draw on you know everything was very blocky hmm. and square is it kind of is it is it kind of messy like... it's kind of messy it's it's kind of like a refined sketch everything is kind of a refined sketch like a okay. like an artist got through his thumbnailing process and he got to his final thumbnails uh-huh. and just slapped some inks over the pencils if that makes sense yeah and it and it, it works for what we're doing here it's it's kind of all over the place I'm not gonna knock the artwork because it's really fucking good in some spots we're like oh this is an important panel so I'm gonna take my time and then other ones almost feel like it may have been done by a different person did you see any of his other work? You know, I looked at the the description of the book and I didn't see any artist listed unless I'm completely wrong about that. No, it, it looks like a very solo project when I was looking into it, too. Everything yeah. was just James LeBar. Just him. Yeah. But yeah, I was wondering if it was a stylistic thing for the, the tone sure. of the story or if it's, oh, like it's Frank it's Miller. It's very like, much. It works for the tone of the book. Absolutely. Because there's there's not a lot of gray area in this book at all. You know, it's black and white, and I think it's black and white on purpose. You know, there's right and wrong, good, bad, you know, yeah. good, evil, all whatever you want to say. It's and it, and it's used to great yeah. effect a lot of the times. 
Um, but it is very inconsistent in my opinion. And uh, that's made me question like, oh, is this somebody else? Like I even, there's even a, a shot near the end of the run that looks almost like a, a Photoshop maybe. Like it's a, yeah, it's like a door. I'll, I'll get to it later, but it's basically like a door and it's almost like somebody just put a black and white grainy filter over it in a way. It could be. I mean, because like Sandman was right around that time. And they were doing that kind of stuff for the the covers and and like now it would be seen as sure yeah kind of amateurish. <laughs> it's like like wow somebody found the sphere <laughs> button neat. But back then that was like yeah I mean it was a new technique so you know and, and I think it's really literally one panel. Oh yeah, it could, could be. It's like man, I can't get this door right. Hey. <laughs> It worked. I noticed it, but it worked. Okay. Like it was an obvious door. So I knew that it was a door <laughs> and it was still black and white. But at the time it might've been neat. Right. Uh, but now it sticks out because we're so used to it. And when digital art is done poorly now and, and back then it would have been awesome. But you know, it's like, it's like watching old episodes of like sure reboot. Oof, yeah. It's, know, like now or like, wow, yeah. that was awesome back then. But this is if somebody showed this to you, you'd be like, "Yeah, this is this is great prototyping." The first Toy Story movie. You look at that now, and you're like, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch that. That's horrifying. Uh, what's what's the bully kid, Zeke or Zach or? Oh, I don't know. Something. He's a nightmare. He's an absolute. Oh, the, nightmare the bully. From yeah, beyond. yeah. He's terrifying, huh? <laughs> yeah. His <laughs> eyes don't like match up and shit. Yeah. So yeah, go back and look at that. Yeah. So yeah, could it be early digital art that was? dope sure it could it, it, it was new tech he was experimenting with it and it, it definitely sticks out like a sore thumb against the rest of the art in the book you know it's very noticeable that's why i'm like it's only one for you know one panel and and that is such a kind of like a gothy sure. graphic designer thing you know it's like no no check it out i got this black and white filter i can just take this <laughs> i'll take the picture of the door to the basement and then I'll put it through this filter. Now, yeah, you don't get away with that shit anymore. Like that's just a filter. No, it would be a joke. Now it would be it would be right. somebody's bad Instagram filter. Yeah, look at look at. Uh, I think it was old episode or old issues of like Wetworks. Um, and there's so many like lens flares and stuff that you know were put Oof. in Wetworks. That's hilarious. <laughs> all, all like four issues that came out. Holy shit! What a pool. <laughs> That's hilarious. I still have some Wetworks books. I think I let the boys have them. Of course, yeah. I mean, and, and it's just it's 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 or it's digital art. It's a lot of you know smoothing and right. 3D effects. And and I remember there just being like lens flares on everything. You know, and at the time it was Gradients. like, wow, you can reproduce a lens. That's yeah. amazing. And now it's like, Ugh. all right, Michael Bay, get yeah. out of here. Yeah, this is disgusting. <laughs> now we make fun of Zack Snyder for using them. Did I accidentally buy a Rob Liefeld book? Fuck. <laughs> no offense to Rob Liefeld if you ever listened uh, to this episode. Was it Will? Will's Thanks for creating some cool shit. Portacio, I think is how you pronounce his name. Shout out, Wetworks creator. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Wetworks. It was. Oh, I just remember it was like spray tan, the comic. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And muscles on muscles. Yeah. 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 It was like, it was like, uh, was it Jojo's crazy adventure meets bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Bizarre adventure meets the spray tanning booth at the white house. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. Comics. Early nineties. <laughs> Sorry. Let's, let's get back to some of it. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get, let's okay. cut all the color out. Okay, orange is gone. Right. We're back in the black and white. Yeah, back to black and white. And uh, bald thief here, he has dropped his stereo. So he dropped his score. 
and he's not happy about it, right? You know, yeah. he, he. So okay, back up a little bit. He Jesus H Christ, right? He drops the stereo, and uh, this figure. You know, we don't have mm-hmm. a name yet. It's just this figure says, "Do I have your attention?" <laughs> Mr. Jones. <laughs> and Mr. Jones is like, attention, what the fuck? You scared the shit out of me, right? Like, you just cost me a hundred bucks. And, you know, you better cough up that money. You better give me that hundred bucks because this was a big score for me is basically yeah. what he's saying. I know you got money for makeup. Cough it up, baby. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got all that leather on, so give me some <laughs> of that cash. And and this figure, you know, with his with his white face and his makeup, he says he doesn't even acknowledge that. He just starts talking. He starts saying names, and he's like, you know, Shelby the giant said, you know, T Bird, and and the bald thief or Jones. As of right now, we know his name is something Jones. He interrupts him. He whips out his knife that was in his back pocket. And he's like, come on, man, money. Just shut up and give me the money because you cost me. And once again, this this tall mysterious scary as shit figure just starts rattling off names tom tom top dollar fun boy tin tin and then jones has had enough they sound like early hacker names yeah right exactly yeah i know huh <clears throat> so so jones he's like he's he's he doesn't know what's up with this guy so he says that's it and he just stabs him in the shoulder right and this figure that's all in leather standing there with his face painted like a weird mime just looks down at it. And Jones is like... Yeah, he's protected in his invisible wall. <laughs> right, exactly. Goddamn mimes in there. Goddamn invisible invisible walls. Jones doesn't think that it's an invisible box. He thinks it's drugs. He thinks that... He, he's a, he says, man, you must be dusted not to feel that. And the figure asks, you know, he says, pain? Question mark. And he goes on to tell him that, you know what? You don't know pain. I know pain. I know pain at the molecular level. And he just kind of rattles off about how he feels pain. He refers to himself as the boiling man. You know, that the pain pulls at his atoms. It's basically all he is. And and so this knife stab ain't shit. It's nothing. And he tells Jones that he is, you know, he's the person that's come to break the bones of your sins and then calls him a meat puppet while licking the blood off of the knife and he he turns the knife around holds the knife blade and points the handle back towards jones and says try again and jones immediately he's like i, I think i'll pass like i'm done there's no uh-uh it's not drugs i don't know what's wrong with you but no thanks i'm i'm good so the crow he goes on about these people and who he's looking for he's asking you know where are these folks at and jones is like you know what these people wouldn't roll on me I'm going to get killed if I roll on them. Absolutely. That's and the, them's the rules. It's the rules, right? But the crow is like, listen, Shelby the giant, he already squealed on Jones. Like he already like he, the people that the crow has already talked to said, "Hey, listen, there's no honor among thieves, bro." Like he rolled on you and trust me, you're going to roll yeah. on everybody else. And 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 just to prove his point, he pulls out from his pocket um, a pair of shears, gardening shears. And he informs Jones that, you know, sure, Shelby rolled on you. It wasn't easy. It took three digits. But he finally told... Uh, this is getting into, like, Korean torture porn. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 he he does not fuck around, right? And Jones is sweating bullets. You know, the art does a really good job of showing his, his fear. He's very scared. <laughs> 
And he's like, no, you're lying. Like, there's no way. Like, Shelby the Giant, you know, there's no way that you did that to somebody like him. And he was like, listen, I would have brought the fingers as documentation to prove. But unfortunately, Shelby the Giant had to eat those digits as well. Uh, I was afraid that's where that was going. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Jones is like, Jesus fucking Christ. T-Bird's going to kill me. And the crow just ignores that. And he asks fingers or toes oh gross <laughs> so you know he's like screw this i'm not going to get anything chopped off for these people so he says fine and he kind of rattles off you know where everybody is okay and uh so he gets the information he's looking for and after he gets that information you know jones is like you're going to kill me now obviously that's the question on his mind he's like i gave you what you want are you going to kill me now and the crow answers why mr jones i already counted you among the dead right so like you're not even alive to me you're just a a meat puppet you're just a thing that's talking but you're dead you know it's something that it's an inevitability for this figure and uh, that's something that we that's the first similarity to the movie that i noticed okay was was how the second you is, you know, Eric Draven in the movie says something along the lines of them. Don't quote me. You know, the second you touched her, you died. You've been dead for a year. You just didn't know it yet. And that's where, you know, he says that here for the first time. You're, you're already dead, man. So it's a good line. Uh, yeah, I would keep it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's powerful and it's fucking freaky. Like, and Jones's face is like this sad, like Jesus Christ, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause nobody expects to be killed by an enormous mime. No, like no. that's a lot to process. Like, I'm sure he had he had made peace with the fact that he was probably going to die in a shootout. Mm-hmm. But nine foot tall magic mime, right, in a dark alleyway has got to be a lot to process as your final thoughts. Yeah, yeah, with gardening shears and eating your own digits, <laughs> just threatened to feed you like... your own toes. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Yeah. I mean, it's always how I imagined I would go, but I mean, it's a lot. I mean, right. I mean, that's the inevitable <laughs> end for most of us is. I just I just assumed I would die in a Twin Peaks manner. Um, at least I always hoped. <laughs> so, I mean, considering that that's not what he thought, he's pretty terrified at this point. And, and the crow looks up and he says, oh, look, it's a full moon. And, and he looks like he's looking at a street lamp. And Jones is like, dude, that's a street lamp. <laughs> you are like, crazy. Are you on something? Or yeah, he's like, are you nuts? He he asks, you know, are you a loon? And then this figure continues again, ignoring Jones completely, and just says, it was a full moon that night too. <laughs> and then he grabs his face suddenly on both sides, with both hands, bam, and plants a deep, passionate kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, oh my God, did this turn? Is that what happens? No, no. He, he, he leaves him with uh, the tell me that I'm coming, Mr. Jones. And then he asks Mr. Jones, and he, yes, sir. And he says, are there spots in a leopard's eyes also? And that's how that first little chapter ends. It goes out like Jack Nicholson and the Joker. Like, have you ever danced with the devil on a pale moon night? Like, yeah. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. What are you what are you talking about? And I and I'm not the smartest person, so when he asked that, I don't know is that a question that may have been asked in literature? I have no idea. And some other time, some other popular story or some other popular poem, because there's a lot of poetry 
in this, you know? So is that a callback to something that I just, I just, I've never read deep cut, very possible, a deep cut. Um, if not, I don't know what the fuck he meant, <laughs> but Jones over here in this picture, he's frightened as shit. He's curled up in a ball with his hands on his head and he's like, Jesus. Okay. I don't know what just happened, but it sucked. It was not fun. <laughs> well, we move on and now we finally get to the first part of the original series. It's called pain book one. Well, that's a good preface into that. It's a good, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and this is, I don't know, I, again, I don't know, I should have known this before we started, but I don't know if those little side stories came before or after these main first four books. Um, but in the trade, they're ahead of it. So I'm going to say, yeah, that's where they belong. So we open up and we got, it's a quick little introduction. Um, you know, he's in a ghetto. He's in the city in a ghetto. And he's in an old house. It's a forgotten house. I find it kind of strange that it's a house in a ghetto of a city and not an apartment. Because in the movie, it's an apartment. It's like a penthouse loft kind of thing with that big window. And they share similar looks in that regard. You know, it's the top floor that he's in mostly with the big bay windows. In the movie, it's circular. And here it's a square, kind of like a round room almost. But it's the same imagery. You know, it's storming outside, it's raining, black and white, and he's there sulking in the dark, basically. You know, he is listening to the sounds and the voices from the past, but they're, they're, even though it's a year ago, they're so loud in his mind, and he can't stop thinking about them. And he says their names again, Tintin, Funboy, T-Bird, Top Dollar, and Tom Tom. And they're the reason that he's back. And here's where I'll, I'll get into it again and I'll say, you know, the book differs from the movie quite a bit, but it still follows the same basic beats. You know, it's the same sort of premise, but the characters are a bit changed. The timing of like mm -hmm. him killing and getting his revenge on each of these characters mm -hmm. plays out differently. But for the most part, it's the same idea. You have a group of bad guys who did a bad thing and he's there to clean house and he goes about doing that one by one. It's just a little different from the book. Which is the fairly movie. typical in a in a film adaptation. You know, I mean any Very you much. Know, like you read all the Harry Potter books and then went and saw all the movies, I'm sure you know, it was the same kind of like, well, right. okay, this yeah, is of course. different, but I understand visually. Right. There was an interview with Chuck Palahniuk who wrote Fight Club and he said that the movie's better than the book. Ah. <laughs> he, he just said like like Fincher was able to to like encapsulate things in like a scene that took me five pages to describe like just right. it's better right. it's just a good story visuals help you don't yeah. you don't have to write everything yeah. out you can see it and you yeah. can see what's going on and 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 yeah there's there's a lot of uh, exposition that's done visually in the movie it may be out of order or changed a bit but it's the same premise and it's you can do a lot with a with just a, a few looks in a scene that you have to Sure. And, and you know comics benefit from that as well because it's a visual medium you know as well but it's more of like a storyboard sure you know you kind of have to to fill in the transitions yourself and this 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 book the four issues definitely can be considered the first draft storyboard for the movie you know things had to be changed because it's not good for the movie you know the way a movie works and plays out um the names were a little too similar you know you got a tin tin and a tom tom and there's no Tom Tom that I can recall in the movie. It's Tin Tin, Fun Boy, T-Bird, Top Dollar is the main bad guy. And then Skink is the other one in the uh, in the gang in the movie, right? But in here, 
Skank is, he's killed really early, and I'll get to that in a second. He's still here, but he's like a super quick side character, whereas in the movie they replaced Tom Tom with Skank because Tintin, this is my assumption, Tintin, Tom Tom, too confusing. Yeah, yeah, unless they're like twins, it's hard to get away with that in a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So they had to get some separation. I was also thinking it could be just an economy of characters thing. You know, like when you're shooting a, a movie, you know, you just kind of have to condense a lot of that stuff down. And I wonder if they just looked at those two characters like, mm, we can kind of condense this into one character and then we'll use Skank because you know, it, it just, yeah, like you said, it does stick out from the other names. Yeah, it's it does stick out from the other names. And Tom Tom is is in the movie replaced with Skank. And so so in the book, everything Tom Tom does in the movie, it's Skank. OK, got you it. know what I mean? So that, that and then like um, if you've ever seen the movie, the little girl, her name is Sarah in the movie, but in the comic book. And I'll get to it later, of course, is Sherry, but it's very close to Shelly, which is Eric's oh, girlfriend okay. in the book and movie. So they change her around too a little bit, right? So there's definite character differences. Top Dollar is also not the main bad guy of this. T-Bird is the main like target of the crow that we'll find out here in a second. Okay. So so there's a, there's a definite shift in characters how they act they're similar but they're different so you know the crow is in this house we don't know anything about this house yet in this part of the story he's just there it's an abandoned forgotten house in the ghetto and he's sulking he does a lot of alone time sulking and he went through something really bad so you know yeah it's yeah it's okay he gets passed to say he sounds like poor batman in a way yeah it's like, like if batman had no money he'd be the crow <laughs> Yeah, no money, just yeah, like like still like, suffered great loss. It's still kind of crazy. Penchant for the dramatic, a lot of black. But yeah, this is this is like Kmart Batman. Kmart Batman. There you go, Kmart. It's it's a it's a Batman. Oh, um, the other big difference mm-hmm. from the movie to the book is that uh, there's no Devil's Night. You know, it was the night before Hall- before Halloween in the book in the movie rather. And it was Devil's Night where Top Dollar, being the crime lord, had his little gang, T-Bird and his gang, they would go around starting fires. That whole premise is not in the books at all. They're just, it's just kind of a gang and it's drugs mostly. Well, they, they have, I don't know why he, I, well, I do know why they changed the premise of, because in the book it's about, it's drugs and, he, and it's, they're referred to as chemical monsters. And James Obar's girlfriend died because of a drunk driver. He's a chemical monster. Got it. So for the movie, they changed it for whatever reasons to fires, you know, drugs too, partying, booze, you know, they're bad guys, but it's fires for some reason. And top dollars. Yeah. Maybe it helped light the set because everybody's dressed in black. Yeah, that's very possible. Huh? And everything's at night and everything's <laughs> like raining. You're like, man, listen, nobody can see anybody. Like we can just see the white on his face. <laughs> <laughs> All you see is his cheekbones. That's it. Light that on fire, and we'll. There we go. Listen, a couple barrels on fire. They're standing in between them. Here you go. Organic lighting. Ready. <laughs> Action. <laughs> so, so the so there's differences. Let's you know. Got it. Yeah. And any adaptation, you'll you'll find some some differences. Some large, right. some small, but there's differences. I think it's interesting that this that this four issue, like they, they made the movie out of the whole thing. You know, they didn't take like one story. You know, typically a movie is, you know, it's just one arc or one kind of story beat from an overall 
right. narrative. But I, I found it interesting that yeah, there was four issues of this and they turned those four issues into a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's an, it's like on a bow. Yeah. It wraps up real nice from beginning to end. It's, it's a complete story and it only takes four issues to tell it. You know, I think that's also what makes it so easy to turn into a, to, you know, a movie. It's, it's just a nice wrapped up. That's true. Perfect little story. Yeah, you don't have to like kind of look look around and and you know verify continuity and and no. you know all, and it's all that, built all in. It has it, it gives itself the ability to make as many as they want because the crow doesn't bring back the same guy. The crow brings back whoever needs to be brought back. So each movie is a story. There's you don't even have to consider like there was what three crow movies, but you don't even have to consider them sequels. It's just another crow story. So is is the crow? Is it kind of like a less fun Ghost Rider? Kinda, yeah. Where it's like the spirit of vengeance yeah. inhabits like a person who mm-hmm. who needs it at the time. Yeah. But like Ghost Rider is like kind of like a you know a biker lunatic at the same time, so it's fun. Ghost Rider is is a very in your face. He sticks around. He doesn't. Once his job is finished, he goes back to where he came from. Yeah, the Ghost Rider is not like that. This is. This is uh, the vengeful spirit needs to be cleansed, basically. The, you know, loose ends need to be tied up. Like any good goth, it just knows to leave the party early. Exactly. Yeah. When it's done, it's done. You get out of there. Ghost Rider is a, like a boomer rocker, man. He ain't going nowhere. He, no, he's going to be in your face, lighting shit on fire, making sure you know what's up. Drinking your beer, tooling around on his motorcycle. He ain't going his, nowhere. His far too loud than necessary bike, okay? <laughs> like just cranking cheap trick, just just there in the driveway. It's just rude. It's just rude. <laughs> the crow know when knows when it's when enough is enough, yes. But uh so we see we see Tintin and he's with Skink and he's buying a gun from somebody called Ratso. And uh I love these names. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're all like this. There, there's a, other names too that I'll, 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 I'll mention, and they're all, all right. like this. They're all <laughs> nicknames, you know. Fat Eddie Ratso, Shelby the Giant, Tin Tin. You know, they're all very, <laughs> just <laughs> ridiculous names. They're like members of like a rockabilly band, something. You know, it's like it's like Brian Setzer and the the Fun Boy Band. <laughs> fun just boy all of band. these people. Oh, I made a mistake. It's not it's not Tin Tin and Skank. It's Tin Tin and Fat Eddie. That are buying oh, okay. a gun from from Ratso. Even even better. Yeah, it's just like late stage Eddie Money is out there, <laughs> fat joining the gang, <laughs> and now they call him Fat Eddie. <laughs> when he was bringing the top forty hits, he was Eddie Money. Now he's hit hard times, and now he's Fat Eddie. They're all great. <laughs> so Tintin is obviously the one in charge here. He's he's a little bigger than these guys. He's serious as shit, right? He even says like you know. Is this going to be a lot better than that fake piece of crap you got me before? And he's like, yeah, this is good shit. He's like, I need to test it out. And so he's like, let's go over here and test it out. And he just shoots. Tintin just shoots this lady walking down the street. Like zero hesitation. Just I need to, I need to see if it works. Bam. And he kills the Whoa. lady across the street. Shoots her right in the neck. Whoa. And they're, and, and so Fat Eddie and Ratso, they're like, Jesus, fuck. What are you? You're nuts. You're a fool. That was unnecessary, and you're going to get the... He basically, you know, Ratso says, you're going to call the fuzz down onto us, basically. Yeah, listen, when Ratso and Fat Eddie are telling you you need to, to rein it in, you know 
that you've you've gone too you've far. gone too far. Yeah, and you know Tintin doesn't take kindly to that phony gun that he was sold prior by Ratso. Tintin says, "You remember that shit, right?" And he says, "You out, Ratso," and he blasts Ratso in the head. So he kills Ratso. So this guy's bad. He is zero. He's a zero hesitation murderer. And and I think it's to set up just how bad these guys are. They have no soul. You know what I mean? He's not back to kill somebody who accidentally ran into his girlfriend. He's coming back to take care of these these devils. Yeah, right. It's it's like a narrative shorthand for right. for these are bad people, and and you know you don't have to this you know express a lot of concern for right. them. Because yeah, if it was you know some like dad out in the suburbs who like you know accidentally like hit your girlfriend in a crosswalk right <laughs> like like that's sad but like you don't need to like skin him up in his you know entryway <laughs> exactly the, the you when but these guys these people are different these people are different they're not people they're they're demons you know they when they die you don't feel bad because you know what they've done got it yeah and what they've done is explained in book three in a lot of detail mm. so of course so fat eddie is like holy shit you just killed two people I'm out of here. And as he's running away, Tintin's like top says that you've been rolling in his district. So dealing on his turf. Right. Okay. So he shoots rats or fat Eddie in the back. (laughs) So Tintin in the span of, I'm going to guess two minutes kills three people. Sure. You know? And so, yeah, you don't, you don't need to feel sorry for this guy. What what's coming is okay. So there's, there's some exposition in some word bubbles here talking about the three people who were just killed. I'll leave that to you to read and find out, get a little, a little filler insight as to why these people were where they at to get murdered by Tintin. <laughs> All right. Little, little interesting <laughs> pieces of backstory for characters that really don't matter. I think it's kind of hilarious that he went through the trouble of writing these little backstories, even for the poor lady across the street that got shot in the neck for no reason. Really? Yeah. Her name is huh. B. Um, it's, it's <laughs> it's pertinent to the to the story a little bit because okay. later there's a cat and it was B's cat who's now you know has no owner because wow. she was off in the middle of the yeah. street. You find out you know I can read hers. How about B was just pantomiming her life, counting days between pension checks and volume refills. Uh, she'll be buried in the county cemetery, and her prized cat Gabriel uh. will be thrown in the street Aww. by an uncaring landlord. Aww. So, and we 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 get a little bit of closure for Gabriel though. So don't worry about the kitty cat. He he'll be fine. I'll let everybody know now that the cat, no harm comes Shoo. to any cats. All right, there's a silver lining here somewhere. Right. There's a, there's a small sub story of how cats like to follow around the crow. But, you know, there's the whole the cats are connected to that side. You know, they see ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So And goths love cats. Yeah, I love cats, too. I used to hate them, but now I love them. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway. See, there's redemption for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I never really hated them. I'm just allergic to them. Yeah, no, he's wild allergic. Like, any time uh, Jeremy's come to my house, I do, like, very thoroughly vacuum a few times. And then, like, right before he comes in the door. Yep. <laughs> It's much appreciated. I thank you very much. Sure, anytime. So, back to the story. Tintin gets a gun. He kills these people. Zero remorse. We find out 
a little bit of backstory on the on the on the victims, and then we move on to Tintin into an alleyway. He's he's got to run, right? I mean, that's three very loud shots, and in the middle of the street, so he's got to jam, and he slips into an alley after murdering these people, and he's again, the crow just pops up, right? Mm. So he pops up out of nowhere, and he mm. says, "Hello, Tintin. You remember me?" And Tintin's not very. He's not a. You don't scare people like Tintin, right? Yeah, but I also imagine the crow is something hard to forget. Definitely. Hey, do you remember me? Hmm, let me see. A uh, <laughs> nine-foot mime in leather. Let's see. Were, did I see you at the bank yesterday? I don't. I don't know. I. I I don't know. I just have one of those faces. Maybe we don't know each other. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I remember you from bingo. <laughs> no. He says, no, I don't. I don't I don't know you. And what the hell you all painted up for? And the crow says, a funeral march. Mm, nice. And wasting no time, Tintin fires. He says, your own. Right? He's like, not mine. It's your funeral. And he shoots the crow. Like I just iced two people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> three people. I'm on a roll. Yeah. He just killed three people. <laughs> What's a fourth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he shoots at him and he, he actually grazes the crow. Oh, we don't even know he's the crow yet. Like like it's it's not even Oh right. It's not even really acknowledged. He's not given a name yet or anything. It's just this figure in makeup, right? We know that the book's called the crow, so we can call him the crow, I guess. So I'll call him the crow from now on, but he is not referred to by a name yet. Okay. And so he grazes his head and uh, the crow has a gun in his pocket because he's standing there with his hands in his pockets. And he shoots and you'll also find as we go through the story that the crow has impeccable aim. He does not miss. Crows are very smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> clever, clever things. Uh, he shoots Tintin in the forearm. And it's this nasty shot of a big chunk of his forearm getting blasted away. Got it. And naturally, he drops the gun. You know, this is another one of those things where the words is is like uh, is poetry. You know, rejoice to the full in the glory that is about to be yours. That sounds religious to me. It, it, yeah, it sounds a little like a like a sermon. Now is he saying this or is it like in a is it in like a narrative? No. He's he's saying this to Tintin. Okay. So he's doing a little preaching. And Tintin's on the ground bleeding profusely. He's like, who the hell are you? And then the crow, again, he doesn't really acknowledge this. He just keeps going. And give thanks to the Lord God who has called you to his kingdom. And the Tintin's like, man, I don't even know you. Like what just happened? And and, and if you've seen <laughs> Again, the movie, no oh. one suspects getting killed by a giant mime in an alleyway. <laughs> who who is now not even he's not even saying anything that makes sense to you. This no. Tintin's never been to church. He just shot you in the arm and is trying to like convert you to Christ. Like what <laughs> right. is happening? Like this is a very aggressive form of door knocking. <laughs> And, you know, Tintin's confused and he's like, what, who are you? And he says a year ago, a cold October night, a broken down car on a dirt road, a man, a girl, madness, pain and shadow. My God, the shadows. It's the, it's the callback to that original splash page in the beginning of the trade. And Tintin finally realizes and he says, you like you. And it's a question because <laughs> you look different now. Yeah. And, and he says, T-Bird says he was dead. And the crow asks, am I not? Hmm. And and then we get a shot. And yeah, evidence seems to point to posthumous. Right. <laughs> and here's, here's the first shot of, uh, or the first little panel of a crow who says, don't look multiple times. Don't look, don't look. And we find out why the bird keeps telling him not to look. Okay. Um, it doesn't get into it here, but this is our first 
shot of the crow telling okay. him not to look. Got it. Um, I didn't know then why the bird was in this particular spot, but now I do, and we'll I'll explain that later. Okay. Um, but Tintin is pleading for his life. You know, he says, T-Bird done it. He had the gun. Wow, how quick. <laughs> yeah, that was no problem. He didn't yeah. have a problem at all. Like okay. Jones held out longer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jones held, Jones was scared, I guess. But again, yeah. Tintin is more of a, a, an intimidating presence. I don't think he cares if he rolls. And I think they probably wouldn't. They know he wouldn't care. You know what I mean? What is Tintin? An, okay, got it. Yeah. Tintin's part of the main gang. Yeah. This is the first encounter with one of the main bad guys. Um, and we quickly get a, a a light panel. Everything is dark, and then we get a pure white panel. And it's some uh, some of those mime faces, masks that you can buy and hang on the wall. Uh-huh. And it says in quotes, the place is really starting to shape up, isn't it, Eric? And then we finally got a name. He says, oh, sure, 14 more coats of paint, and the housing authority might approve it. Right. So he's making jokes. It's this lighthearted banner between two people about the house that they're in and the work that they're doing to it. And it's just, it's just one thin panel. And then it goes right back to him confronting Tintin. And he says, and the girl. And he says, man, she was out cold by the time I got to her. And then it's the crow again. Don't look. Don't look. And then it's another, it's another memory. Oh, you're just so funny, wise ass. I happen to think it looks very nice. So see, he's remembering. As he's talking to Tintin, he is thinking about this girl. Yeah, and these little glimpses. Little like glimpses. Little glimpses in the misery. You know, it's like right. there's a little light, you know, and then it's right back. You have this spirit that is like trying to protect him, this crow who's saying, don't, don't do this. Don't think about it. Focus, right? Okay. Now, is the crow telling him not to look at the memories or not to look at what he's going to do to, to Tintin? So I had the same question. And okay, also, good. So I finally realized that it's actually... Don't look at the memories. Got it. Right. Don't don't. And I'll go over it more. But it's basically. Okay. Don't do this to yourself. Got it. You, you're doing what you're doing now. Focus on that. Don't think about her right now. See, that's all he has. Anyway, Tintin says. But it's, but it's like the crow is like, like instead of like kind of like helping him like, hey, just think about the good times. Like, like <laughs> you don't have to skin this person. Like, just think about like what you had. Right. And you know what? Everything ends and there's a new beginning and all time. No, it's like, hey, don't think about that stuff. We got work to do. Right. Skin that motherfucker. Yeah. The crow, the the, the, the <laughs> idea of the crow, the the metaphysical spirit or whatever, the, the, the apparition that is following him around, telling him not to look at the happy memories, never, ever once says, eh, maybe you don't kill this guy. <laughs> got it. No, okay. it never. Just curious where the crow was coming from. No. Nope. Okay, got it. I think I have his motivation yes. now. <laughs> and now, now when he's talking to Tintin, there is panel of Tintin, panel of a memory, panel of Tintin of him trying to explain shit, and then a panel of of the memory of Eric and this woman. Okay. Right. So it's he's doing this, and he's it's intermixed with his memories of who she was and what they had, and what he's about to do. And so he just says, you know. It, we will. We were all high. He's trying to get out of it. And then the crow says, you know, your soul rots. It festers. But fear not. I have medicine. And he blows his fucking head off. <laughs> just pistol, just the barrel under the chin and takes his top right off. What kind of HMO does Tintin have? <laughs> good Lord. It's not a good one because Tintin is now dead with his brains all over the wall. Uh, okay. Right. 
And and in the movie, it's a lot different. You know, he he makes him suffer a lot longer, or it's implied, right? He he messes with him with his knives. Tintin in the movie is this guy. He he you know he raped. He's a criminal. He is a murderer, but he uses knives. And so in the movie, that's his character. And and you see him. You know, he says something. What is it in the movie? What's the line? Uh, victims, aren't we all? And then he starts stabbing Tintin, right? And he's <laughs> and later in the movie, it shows you know twenty knives sticking out of his chest. In here, in the book, it's quick. It's bam, gunshot under the chin. He's he's toast. He's done. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's economic from an art standpoint. Like I wonder, I wonder if he's storyboarding it out, and he's like, I'll just shoot him. Yeah, just shoot. All him. Right. It, it moves the story along. Tintin it in does. the book is was the first of the kills, right? And and Tintin's a mini boss anyway. Right. Like like you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna save all your big art, yeah, yeah, hold on to it. <laughs> so. So he says, you know, may God grant you the mercy that I cannot, right? He has mm. zero remorse for these people. He has good lines, though. Off, oh, yeah. Awesome lines. And uh, here's uh, another big change now. We, we see the crow sitting in this room again. But the room is always drawn and colored very lightly. Very, mm. you know, grays and whites. And he's the only thing that's black, right? He's the only thing in shadow. And he's always clutching his stomach and he's always, you know, hunkered down and bent over in despair. And in this first shot, we see him looking, um, he's, he's by a window and the, the night light, you know, the, the, the moonlight is lighting up these pictures. So now I'm thinking when I first read this, this must be the house that they were fixing up. So there's going to be some of his own possessions from a year ago, right? Yeah. So he's looking at these pictures and this is something the movie doesn't show us. It doesn't show us the crow. It doesn't show his downtime. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, I want to say that it almost, it doesn't, it take place over the course of one night. Yeah. Cause it's very, it's very quickly paced. And I think that was back when movies were like, you know, 90 minutes. Right. Like now it would be, it would be a trilogy (laughs) to kick off a universe. Right. And it'd be three and a half hours. Right. (laughs) And it would be like, and, and it would end with like, you know, the the drunk driver. <laughs> you know, it would be like two and a half hours of preamble. Right. No, I I agree. Right. Well, you don't you don't see any of the crow just kind of being himself. I mean, you do a little bit like when he first puts on his makeup, a uh, little bit of interactions with the cat. You know, there's a, there's some scenes where he's playing the guitar and he's going through all the memories. But that's it. In the books here, it's a lot more. Okay. You we get to see just how tortured he is just how much despair that he's in right and he's alone in this house that he and Shelly had bought which we find out later and and he's just he can't stop wallowing in this pain because the pain is all that he's got Hmm. it's what it's what drives him right it's it's the pain of what happened and we also again we find out a little later that it's not just the pain of losing her it's how he lost her it's why he lost her Mm -hmm. And so he's sitting there in this this house all by himself, thinking about her. And here's another shot where it's the words don't really mean it's it's exposition that is about how he's feeling rather than about something he's thinking. Okay, you know, it says there is a man playing a violin, and the strings are the nerves in his own arm. Ooh. Things like that. Wow. Right. So he's not happy. It's really nicely written, though. It is, and it goes on to say <laughs> a twisted soul. The mortar, despair, the bricks. And then again, we see the crow, 
and he's it's it's a shot of a of Eric on the ground with his eyes wide and blood on his face, and the crow is saying, "Don't look, Eric, don't look." Mm. And then it's a shot of the crow. He's got his face painted up, and he's kind of looking at the camp's real nice big shot of his face, and he says, "To build a temple to sadness, he ties a spent shell in his hair, number one." He says. So he tied the empty shell from the bullet that took Tin Tim's top off. Wow. Yeah, into his hair. <laughs> but then it's a nice lonely shot of him in the window, and he's got his head down on his hands, and he's just sad, right? He's just looking out into the storm. This is not, he's not happy about it. This is yeah. not something he gets joy from. He can't feel that. He can't feel joy. He feels pain and despair and loneliness. Mm. You know, uplifting shit. <laughs> So we finally catch up with. <laughs> I, hope, I hope no one's listening to this episode on like a Monday morning in God. their office. They're just like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna step off the roof now." <laughs> just keep in mind that this this book it was written and it's horrible and it's terrible and it deals with a lot of awful things. But it was a way for somebody going through that in real life, yeah, to to yeah. deal with it and to move on. Yeah. And and that's not to say that that's the only way to deal with that kind of no, pain. Some people no. deal with pain by freezing up. You know, they can't sure. do anything else. All they can do is wallow in it until time yeah. takes care of a lot of the weight. It's just, yeah. it's how it is. Everybody's yeah. different. And in James Obar's case, he created a cult classic. That's true. Not everybody is up to that test. So <laughs> yeah, deal yeah. with it the best you can. In this regard, it's a horrible book about horrible people getting through some horrible shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but way to put like your wounds kind of out there for the public to absolutely to judge too. Like that seems like a really personal project, but yeah, that's where we're all kind of. Even though we're getting through the hard part, we're all fortunate to have this. That's right, <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, this is you know therapy for a lot of folks. So yeah, you yeah. confront it head on, like you said. Sure, and paint um, your face like a mime. <laughs> so we we cut to the next story bit, and uh, this one says shadow play. And it's, we're sitting at a table with top dollar and the crow shows up and it's not just top dollar. I'm sorry. It's top dollar. Somebody named Sanchez and a few other guys. Right. Okay. And, uh, they're up in a higher like apartment or a condo or a loft or something like that. He's, they're up in a, in a tall building. It's establishing top dollar as kind of like the crime Lord of the area. Okay. You know, somebody named Sanchez kind of questions top dollar don't you think you should do something about this you know somebody blew the freaking head off of tintin like don't you think you should look into this and top dollar's like are you fucking telling me what to do yeah you know and, and also he's like, a guy like tintin gets his head blown off i mean he just killed three people like those kind of guys aren't long for this world no they're not imagine as his boss he's like oh it finally happened all right Cool. And he, it is funny you say that because that's what Top Dollar kind of says. You know, Sanchez <laughs> is asking this question. He's one of the, the higher up thugs, I guess, of Top Dollars. And Top Dollar's like, first of all, you fucking telling me what to do. And Sanchez is like, no, it just kind of looks bad on you. Like you're not in control. Mm-hmm. And Top's like, you think I care if one of your punks gets snuffed? Like he doesn't fucking <laughs> yeah. care. It's a cost of business, baby. Yeah. And so Sanchez is like, hey, man, like taking offense. And Top Dollar is like, yeah. this is my outfit. This is, these are my drugs. This is my neighbor. This is yeah, my omelet. And we're going to break as many eggs as I need. That's right. You know, and, it, and the, the, the art here is really great because it makes 
it makes top dollar look like a real like devil, right? Like he's got real sharp eyebrows and his, his eyes are super sinister. It's a really great piece of art, but again, very sketchy. This isn't a finished piece of work in the sense of what you might consider finished art. It's very sketchy, but it's really good. And he basically says, you know, the, my word is law. And if I say who gives a shit, who gives a shit? He picks up a gun and he says, the floor is open for opposing viewpoints. You know, if anybody's got something <laughs> yeah. to say, so let's hear it. And everybody's like, nah. And they see something moving out the window. And we get this really awesome splash page of uh, a window. Everybody's sitting inside and the crow is sitting on the ledge, all in leather, all in black with black gloves on. He looks sick and he's got a gun and he's just kind of waiting. He's just sitting there waiting. Somebody sticks his head out. And he says, who the hell are you? And he says, Santa Claus and blows his head off. <laughs> Everybody inside is, you know, their mouth is agape. Like, holy crap. And he jumps inside onto the table, says, you all been, you've all been very bad this year and starts plugging people. Just bam, bam, bam. <laughs> you know, one guy gets shot in the chest and he says, blood, bulletproof vest not work, blood. And he says, poor soul, one need not suffer so. Shoots him in the head. Ugh. And then everybody's scrambling. Where's my gun? Where's my gun? No, that's mine. No, this, no, that. And that was, I think that was Sanchez. Oh, that's another thing to mention. A lot of this art is a little hard to follow sometimes. Got it. Some of this, some of, yeah, some of the work is a little inconsistent. So there's some, there's some shots where I can't quite follow the progression from action to action. It's a little, it's a little wonky. Got it. It's 99% great. And, you know, 1% like, okay, that's a little weird. How does it go from here to there? But that's, now, that's neither here, scenes, than here nor there. Do they seem to be chaotic by design? Or, Ch- or is yeah. it just like kind of gaps in the in the storyboarding? It's a little bit of a gap in the storyboarding. Okay. Like, how did he get from that to this? Okay. But also just because the art, again, this is not an, an uh-huh. insult, but it's it's just... It's inconsistent. So sometimes it's like, okay, it's hard to make out exactly what he's trying to get at. Some of it's a little blurry or a little muddy, you know? Yeah. So so it's frantic, right? He's just going around popping everybody. He, there's a lot of little banter. There's a lot of little quips. There's, you know, quickly introducing people and quickly dispatching the same said person. You know, so it's, it's a lot of quick stuff. He, he basically kills the whole room. <laughs> but top dollars left, right? Uh, top dollar is about to shoot him, but he gets a boot to the face, knocks him down, and the crow's laughing. He calls them drowning men. Again, a lot of little quips, a lot of little banner. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it feels like a you know kind of like inspired by you know '80s action movies, like for sure. You know, you you had to have a quip for every death. You know, you had to have you know kind of like a little catchphrase. You don't really see that as much now, right? But yeah, being being inspired from that time period, yeah, yeah, your hero needs quips. Yeah, needs to say something catchy. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't. Just like all in the other reviews that I've done up to this point, I don't really want to say everything. I, I sure. really want people to go and, and read these after they're done listening, so they get the full effect. Because I do leave things out on purpose. Yeah, I'm the one who spoils everything. That's okay. Uh, when you when you get a Jeremy breakdown, uh, it actually makes you want to go get the book. That's what, I, and I I'd rather. It's fun to talk about it, and it's fun to get people interested. But yeah, yeah, I I really do want people to go out and buy these. Be it on Comicsology, buy buying hard copies, buying trades, whatever, support your local comic book shop. That's fantastic. I don't want to give everything away because I want people to go and read it for yes. themselves. It's, no, it's a, it's a good, it's a good way to do it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm skipping a lot of the action here. A lot of the banter. Let's just, let's just say he wipes the room. 
okay? And he gets to top dollar. And he has a great a line for him too where he says, well, well, top, you're the, you're the only one still wasting good air. <laughs> In other words, you're a piece of shit and you're still breathing. But let's change that. Let's Yeah, let's fix that <laughs> error. And there's some more poetry. There's some really great art on some of these splash pages here. Really good at, at showing fear. You know, he instills a lot of fear in the people that he's about to take care of. And he grabs the light. He's standing on the table. Top is just sitting there. He's got no weapons. And, you know, everybody's dead. And the crow is kneeling down in front of him. And it's a great shot. It says, the kill in words across it, all in blood. And it says, do you remember? Look close, Top. And he starts to say, a man and a girl, right? Same story he said to the other ones. He's And Top's like, look, I don't fucking care. Right. I don't know what this is all about. I don't care that I've done you wrong. But I'll square it up. Mm-hmm. Like... There's five grand in the dresser over there. Take it and go. We'll forget all about this. In other words, he's obviously pleading for his life. He's trying to get out of it, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he says, you know what? Screw it. Take the dope too. There's almost half a key left worth 10K easy. Yeah. Now he's getting desperate. He's getting desperate. He's just like, take what I got and leave. I don't want to, obviously don't want to get killed. And the crow's like, yeah, it's not directly begging for your life. It's not, it's not pleading. It's, it's still gangster. It's still gangster. But it's like, hey, so... You've got me dead to rights. What do you? What can I give you to yeah. go away and not murder me? <laughs> yeah, obviously I did something to to screw you over in some way. I don't know what way yet, but here enough to make you look like this. It couldn't have been good. So let's see if I can just pay you off to yeah. go away, buy my way out of this. You're you're in here murdering people. You're probably not a good person. Here, here's drugs and money. Go away. Yeah, you just came in here and murdered all of my people in clown makeup. Right. Whatever I can do to make this stop. I will do. Yeah. And he's sitting there sweating. He's got a bloody lip. It's running down his face because he got kicked in the face earlier in the scene. <clears throat> and and the crow is like, you would barter with your, your life with chemicals. <laughs> and so he's questioning Top as like, why would you do that? That's kind of crazy. And Top screams, you're an idiot. The crow continues with his story. A man, a woman, a 71 Plymouth. And Top interrupts him again and says, I offer you 15 grand. And you act like it don't mean nothing. Top dollar, he's a bad guy. He has a certain mindset. He can't fathom why this murderer, this killer, yeah, would be sitting there on his table, not even listening to the fact that there's $15,000 worth of shit that he can take. I mean, it's literally in his name. Right. Top dollar. Right. It's like, it is. How is me not, like, how are you not motivated by cash? <laughs> and it, he, it's, he, it's unfathomable. He he calls him an idiot. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Crow just continues on. He's just like the girl. Her name was Shelly. So now we finally have a name for his girlfriend or his fiance. you know, Shelly. Okay. And he says that it started to rain. And he asks, do you remember? And Top is like, you ain't even listening. Like, you're friggin' <laughs> crazy. You're going to shoot me? Come on, just shoot. Like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried if you're gonna to, kill me I don't want to sit through your monologue yeah right I don't want to hear what you have to say who fucking cares I'm a bad guy who cares what I did you didn't take my money so fine shoot go ahead and he says yeah I remember the car and the broad so what and, and the crow says so this and shoots him in the face <laughs> So again, much different from the movie that everybody has probably seen and remembers. Top Dollar is the end boss of that movie. But in here, he's just he's just another he's the second kill. It's one and done. And it's great too cuz like he he pleaded, it didn't work. He offered, it didn't work. And he says, "You know what? Screw it. 
yeah, I remember you. I don't care that I remember you. Okay, bam, done. Right. No, no, no big speeches, nothing. Like, I, yeah, I remember you. So what? So this, bam, done. Yeah, I, I was really gearing up for a speech. I was like, I was like, all right, get getting comfortable. Here we go. Here's going to be our our big superhero monologue about you know doing the right thing and and you know having a nope. a moral compass and how the world can be. Blam. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. All right, moving on. Nope. Instead of that, <laughs> we get a shot of Top Dollar telling him after being shot in the face to go to hell because he shot him in the eye, but it didn't kill him outright. Oh, God. <laughs> and so Top Dollar, he says, you can go to hell. And the crow says, I've been waiting for a guy to take me by the hand. Click, boom, shoots him in the head again. This time, no getting back up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no big speeches, uh, just one tough son of a bitch who took a yeah. shot to the eyeball and still had enough uh, you know, enough where enough wherewithal to say like, you know what, you can go to hell. Yeah. Screw you, pal. Yeah. That's short and sweet. <laughs> nice. And 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 before we get a we get a little uh or not before, after this scene we get a little uh in interrogation of the neighbors, the cops are there asking what the hell's going on, all this gunshots. Because there was a lot of gunshots. It was a big shootout, right? And it's this little old lady says that she heard big boots going down, clunk, clunk, clunk down the hall. And I was thinking it must have been them hoodlums again, right? And But there's this seven-foot vampire like Dracula or something just <laughs> floating down the hall. With sweet goth Doc Martens just <laughs> stomping his way, just waffle stomping his way through the house. <laughs> He's head to toe in black, and his skin is as white as ashes, and his hair sticking up all like a haystack. Funny thing is, all the cats in the building is following him like he was a ghost or something. Then he turned to me and smiled and said real polite-like, Evening, ma'am. He's like the alpha goth. And that's how that, that section of the book ends. And we get another splash page of, uh, you know, a little bit better art, you know, not quite a sketch, a little bit more on the finish side of the crow and a cat. And uh, it's it's a, a poem by uh, Lewis Weekly McKay. I'm going to let the listeners go and, and read that for themselves. Yeah, you don't want to do a quick poetry reading? I can, no, I can no, there's a some. lot. There's a, I've already skipped a few. There's there's a <laughs> lot of poems. And it's probably poems that mean something to James Obar, you know, something oh, sure. that helped him get through. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just I imagine you in your studio, lights are off, candles <laughs> are on, you know, like your cure poster is, is just barely lit. That's I just imagine it's a whole scene where where poetry would would naturally flow. Either it it'd either be that it'd either run that way or it'd be more like Mike Myers and so I married an axe murder. <laughs> Whoa man. Whoa man. Something like that. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of snapping. I love that movie. Crying himself oh. to sleep on that huge pillow. <laughs> it's like Sputnik. <laughs> it's like Sputnik. Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, I needed a quick. Needed no, a quick it's laugh fine. After it's fine. A lot of murdering going on. <sighs> All uh, right. Well, we cut to a scene. Uh, well, uh, I keep saying scenes like these are movies. We cut to a panel to the next. It's part very of the cinematic. Story. It yeah, is. No, it, I, it really is. I get you. But what I thought was interesting is like the. It sounds like from the wom- the, the ladies description he sounds more like sandman than than like the crow we know it was like you know tall dressed all in black white right. skin with you know crazy hair like that's right. sandman 
it does have a he does have a Sandman esque feel to it, and I don't really know the Sandman universe. I don't know what oh, yeah. year he was created, so I don't know who came first or who was inspired by who. Yeah. But also the way he moves, you know, they she described him as floating down the hall. So he's oh yeah, very, she described him as a vampire. Like every right. teenage goth wants to be described oh, as a yeah. vampire. It's like their dream. It is. It really. is. I say they like I wasn't one of them. I, hey, listen, it was my dream to be called a vampire when I was sixteen. That's still. <laughs> I, I'd still be a vampire. I'll take those powers, sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, we cut over to the next panel, and uh, he's back in the house. You know, this is, again, more time alone with the crow in the books than in the movie. And he's sitting there on a, on a, like a blanket, and he's got what it looks like the setup for a, a romantic floor by the fireplace kind of picnic, right? Like a, mm-hmm. it's a, meal a dinner date on the floor in front of the fire because there's a big fireplace in this old house right okay and uh he brings home gabriel the cat Hmm. so the cat that was once owned by that poor victim in the beginning of the book b when the landlord threw the cat out they you know at some point crossed paths and he brought gabriel home to to shelly he says you know i always knew that you wanted a cat and it turns out that it's their anniversary on this night and so he's petting the cat Again, more panels of him, very, very sad, tears flowing down his face. He's talking to himself. He's talking point, to himself. Right? Okay, because at I, I first I was like, wait, where are we in the timeline? Like he told Shelly he got a cat. Like I thought she was dead. Nope. He's he's okay. talking so he's, to the ghost. He's talking to himself Shelley. in the house. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, yeah. It's it's not a flashback. He's there by himself. Got it. With the cat. And again, though, the the house is very white. You know, everywhere else he goes is all dark and shadows. But when he's there, he's like the only shadowed thing. Hmm. He's all in black, but the house is, is like a happy place, I guess. Right. So it's always yeah. br- brightly lit. It, it's like, it's the, it's the reflection of his old life. Right. And then, and then he is now this, which is just this big dark hole in, in the otherwise, bright life he was building before exactly possibly yep <laughs> and, and and it that's basically it because it it follows that with more memories and it's them painting the walls to this place there's a lot of little cute banter about you know the house and and she brings up well we're buying a house together so you're going to make an honest woman out of me and he's mm-hmm. flinging paint at her like marriage 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 is all i ever hear about right mm-hmm. And they're painting each other just like a typical rom-com kind of scene where it's two lovers that are totally enjoying each other's company. And he whips out the ring at that point. Mm. And so he proposes to her, right? Aww. And it's a very happy scene. And it's it, she rushes him and jumps into his arms and spills the paint all over the place. They're covered head to toe. And she's singing, we're getting married, we're getting married, right? <laughs> and and then it right below it on the same page is an all black panel and it's a window with the moonlight shining on him mm-hmm. and he's just got his head he's you know sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor <laughs> with his head <laughs> on his knees and his arms wrapped around his legs right so he's in this house thinking about his old life with mm-hmm. with Shelley and then it shows the reality of him sitting there alone in the dark miserable yeah I was I was wondering how long we were going to spend in like happy place not long no oh it's like a panel <laughs> it's oh, okay. it's long enough to very 
clearly illustrate what he lost. Got it. it. No matter how much he thinks about her and how happy that might make him, all it does is further the pain. All it does is sink him more into the the vengeful spirit role that he's meant to do anyway. He's not back to move on. Mm. He's back to finish things up. So there's there's no getting over this. There's there's no panels of him finally like, oh, the clouds parted and he feels better. No, no, there's nothing like that. Yeah, that's not the point of this story. No. So the next few pages are actually um, not a lot of words. It's mostly panels showing her being this angelic memory, you know, this this person that he just looked at and he it shows him holding her and embracing her just and this look of peace on his face. It's like, you know, how happy and how safe he feels just how much in love they are, right? She's smiling, and then the crow shows up and says, hey, 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 Eric, Eric, you don't want to see this again. Let's go. Don't look. Don't look. And and he's just, he's grasping on it. He's holding her tight, right? And he keeps remembering the things that she used to say to him, and then the crow calls him an idiot because you see a gun cock, and then as he's holding her, like he's kneeling down and she's standing up. She gets shot in the back of the head. And the crow says, you never listen. And so now it's a, a panel of him in great despair once again because she has died. But this is not how she died in her life. This is just another like nightmare. No, this bird is a dick. The bird is there to <laughs> like guide him. And it keeps telling, it keeps trying to get him to focus on why he's there. Yet he's up in this house just yeah. wallowing in, in his despair. But that's that's what keeps him going. If he didn't do that, he wouldn't be yeah. like he would have gotten over it. He's not over it. Yeah, because yeah, he's on a he's on a path for revenge. Right. You know, so you need to you need to keep fueling that fire. This crow is there to to try and keep him focused, I think, but he keeps, you know, wasting time. I don't know if it's a waste of time or if it's supposed to be a waste of time, but he's he's in the house that they own together just torturing himself. But I think that it's, it's the, since the pain is the only thing he has, you know, the, in the beginning of the chapter or book two fear shit, we're only through the first book. Um, <laughs> Eric screams and screams and pounds his head against the wall until phantom fire trucks race across his vision. All he wants is pain, pain and hate. Yes. Hate, but never fear. Fear is the enemy, fear and bullets. So it's like in the beginning, right? Yeah. And he's, he's constantly hurting himself. And I think the pain is something that is the only thing that grounds him. He needs that pain because if it starts to go away, right, maybe he'll lose his nerve or something. I don't yeah. really know. But he keeps hurting himself for a reason. One way to deal with the pain that you feel. And something to, to keep in mind, too, is that the, the creator was going through this same process. So Exactly. So, you know, these the motivations aren't, you know, I keep looking for, like, narrative motivation you know and it's like no no this is somebody's like art therapy like this is what they're going this through is so something what they're through. going through yeah so a lot of these things yeah they're not they maybe they don't make sense in the grand scheme of the story it's just him getting his feelings out right. on the page exactly exactly so that's yeah I, I i have to think about that not as just like a, a regular writer maybe tapping into something but as someone who's actively going through right the recovery of a of a enormous tragedy <laughs> it's all terrible <laughs> um Another night, it's book two, another night, and another kill. So the crow catches up with Tom Tom and Skank. And Tom Tom and Skank are in the middle of murdering 
um, the supposedly he, they call him a Down syndrome kid or a Down syndrome man. Um, you know, they're accusing him of basically being a squeal. He's he talked and 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 this person is like, no, no, I I didn't say anything. And the crow yeah. he shows up, shows up a little too late, unfortunately, because mm. Tom Tom and Skank proceed to stab him repeatedly in the stomach. Ugh. And that really sucks. The crow didn't get there quick enough to save this kid. And, you know, Skank says something to Tom Tom. He says, you really get off on this. And he says, yeah, it gets my blood pumping. And then Skank says, kind of makes you lose your head, huh? And in that panel, Tom Tom loses his head because the crow cut it off. <laughs> it just goes flying. <laughs> This is and, such an 80s movie. Yeah. And this Skank's is... like, what the hell? As his body's kind of just standing there. And mm. we get this really crazy manic pose out of the crow. And he, Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't cut off Tom Tom's head. He cut off Skank's head. Okay. Yeah. So, so Tom Tom was one of the people who were a part of the murder. So that's why. And Skank was just kind of a, a, a yeah. side kill. In the movie, Skank is, is the Tom Tom of the movie. So Skank got his head cut off and Tom Tom is like, what the hell? And the crow says, hello, Tom Tom. And Tom Tom's like, what the hell is this? He goes to reach for a gun, but the crow knocks the lights out. Mm. And so Tom Tom freaks out and he just kind of starts to fire a little blindly, right? Mm-hmm. And you can kind of hear him sneaking him around. He's just shooting randomly. And <laughs> he's standing there kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And then he gets his feet cut off. <laughs> He's standing there, and the crow, with one swipe, just feet right off. Whoa. He falls down to the ground. So now we got we got a headless corpse. We got that we got that kid who may have been Down syndrome, yeah. and he was murdered, leaning yeah. against the wall. And now we have Tom Tom with no feet. No feet. And the light gets turned back on. <laughs> and the crow... Because you want to be able to see that. Yeah. Well, he's in shock, because he says, those are my boots over there. <laughs> and mentions how his feet are cold. Can he please have his boots back? Whoa. But the crow doesn't, you know, he, again, he goes, doesn't care what they're saying. He just goes on, you know, he tells them how a year ago you helped kill a man and a woman. There was no money, but you took a ring that she had on. Do you remember? And if you remember from the movie, he did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He asked about a ring. He wanted to know where Shelley's engagement ring was at. And so in the book, Tom Tom is the one who knows where it is. And he says, a ring, a ring, yeah, a man and a woman. Are you him? Aren't you? And the crow says, I am. I am him. He says, but I saw you die. And he says, as you see your own death before you now, question mark. And then we get a little bit of, you know, Tom Tom goes through the story of his Mm -hmm. side of things, right? The Mm -hmm. T-bird was on top of her and she was screaming and crying and, and, and I just wanted to shut her up. So he kicked her and she kept screaming. So he kicked her again, kick her in the face until she was all bloody. And then that's when T-Bird actually shot her. I think that's why the crow took his feet off. <laughs> and and later in the story, we actually see just what kind of kicks he delivered to uh, Shelly's head. It's not good. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, they rarely are. There are very, very few kicks to the head that are good. Right. I, I would almost say there's maybe none. <laughs> Probably none. I think the zero is the right number. But he he goes on to explain that, you know, yeah, he kicked her, but it was was T-Bird who shot her. And then her blood splashed all over his pants. 
And, oh, yeah, by the way, my like I just said, my feet are cold. Can I have my boots? And he says, don't worry, Tom Tom. You'll be asleep in a minute. Where's the ring? And he says the ring, T-Bird always sold that stuff uh, at Gideon's Pawn Shop. Just like in the movie, we, we are now introduced in name only to Gideon, hmm. the pawn shop owner that these criminals take all of their stolen goods to. All right. And then Tom Tom asks if he can go to sleep. And he says, sure, you can go to sleep Aww. now. And and the crow says, how wonderful is death? Death and his brother sleep. So Tom Tom gets to go out a little bit nicer, I would say, than his, his uh, gang brethren. But still, yeah. he lost his feet. It's not so great. Yeah. The terror. He had one of the slower deaths. Yes. Like most everyone gets like their head cut off or shot in the head. Blowing or... off something. <laughs> his yeah. is more of a no feet way to go. He went feet first and then slowly <laughs> went to night night. So we. That's terrible. <laughs> there's and, and the story actually kind of picks up a little bit here, too, because there's there's no more shots of at least right now. There's no shots of him thinking because usually it's a kill and then he thinks about things and then it's a kill. But now he's just straight over to Gideon's. So he's definitely wanting to get this ring. And this scene is actually really close to the movies. Mm hmm. It's a locked door, Gideon counting money, knock, 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 just like in the movie, pay piss off. Like it's almost word for word the same, right? Hmm. Can't you see that we're closed? Calls him a drug addict. He can't read the signs, just like in the movie. You're very, very close. And uh, he busts through the door and Gideon's, you know, just like in the movie. Hey, you friggin' punk, can't you read? Blah, blah, blah. I think you have something of mine, the crow says. <laughs> and... Uh, I always get nervous when you start to giggle because I know something terrible is about to happen. <laughs> it's just I, I love the pacing of these of this scene. And it's just like in the in the movie is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because this guy, he's so smug at first, mm. you know, and it's just like in the book, too. He's so smug. He pulls out a gun like, oh, now what? You're going to need a coroner, pal, just, you know, mm. and he just slaps the gun away. And then just <laughs> like in the movie, stakes his hand to the counter with the knife. Sure, good move. Classic move. Classic move. And just like in the movie, he hands him a big box of of rings, you know. And the crow says, my God. That's not something that he actually said in the movie. In the movie, he just kind of finds it and starts uh -huh. rifling through it. And this, Gideon hands him a box. And it's a pretty big box. And it's absolutely filled with engagement rings. Implying that, yeah, that all of that shit. Because he actually says, this is everything, almost everything that T-Bird brought. And it's this huge box of rings and, and watches and stuff. So that's all people that he's murdered. Not just to, that's not 30, it's hundreds. And also shows that Gideon's a terrible pawn shop owner. Like, you're like supposed to sell that stuff. You're just taking on inventory. Yep. And uh, you're not, I mean, I don't mean to get all like business major on you, <laughs> but this is, this is a non-sustainable business model, Gideon. No, not good. <laughs> It's not smart business, no. no. But, you know, maybe he didn't want to sell stolen stuff. I don't know. Either maybe it's stuff he's forced to, to buy. If he doesn't buy it, he'll just sure. get killed too. Gideon could be a very rich character that we're just, we're just not privy <laughs> to his motivations. At the moment, he's pinned to a countertop by the hand, and money doesn't really fucking matter right now. Yeah, that's his motivator right now is the knife through the hand. <laughs> it's right. That's right. So just like in the movie, we see the crow. He's sitting cross-legged and he's just tossing rings. No, no, no. Till he finally finds the one, right? And the whole time Gideon is trying to get that knife out of his hand. 
finally gets it out. Eric the crow, he finds the ring. And <laughs> Gideon grabs the gun again. Is look what I got for you, punk, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, Why, Mr. Gideon, you've completely forgotten about your Walter because it's something that he had snatched. Uh-huh. And and then the crow pumps him full of lead. <laughs> so in the movie, Gideon actually gets away. The crow does not kill Gideon. Uh, Gideon, you know, it's, it, the, the shop explodes. He gets mm-hmm. tossed out and he goes and he informs Top Dollar of what happened. And in this, in the book, the crow kills Gideon right off. He, he, he burns up after he sets this place on fire. So that's a, that's a big difference too. Because okay. remember in the movie, Top Dollar is the end boss, whereas in this, Top Dollar is already dead. Yeah, yeah. And and it's the same thing. He says, uh, he says, is that a kerosene heater I smell? <laughs> and I think in the movie, he says, is that gasoline I smell? And so he torches it, right? Just like in the movie, he, he torches Gideon's pawn shop. And I can imagine um, that being a studio note. It's like, you know, not everyone knows that a kerosene heater is, is uh, explosive. Oh, can we change that to gasoline? Can we change that line? <laughs> Yeah, this is not. We need something that explodes. Yeah, it tests better. Right, um, it, just right. that line to gasoline. The fireball is yeah, much more impressive. <laughs> so yeah, in in this in the book, he's just dead. Right, he, he yeah. just kills him. And uh, uh, like in the movie, there's Officer Albrecht, and he's you know pointing his gun, freeze. And the crow says, "Go away, boy. You want none of this." And the cops like, Jesus, what did you do to that guy? <laughs> and the crow smiles and said, "Lead poisoning." Another, <laughs> another one of those quips. I know it's like a Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs> and and the cop is shaking. He's shaking like a leaf, and he says, "You're under arrest." He says, "Look at me, boy. Put your gun away. Bullets don't stop me. Knives don't hurt me." And then he yells at him, "Look at me!" And he says, "I am pilot error. I am fetal distress. I am the random chromosome." Huh. I am complete and total madness. I am fear. And and each time he says this, a new panel of it getting closer and closer to his crazy-ass eyes. Mm-hmm. And he and the cop's like, please put down the weapons because he's holding the gun and stuff. He, you know, he picked up some stuff from the pawn shop as he was torching it. Sure. And he says, Officer Albrecht, I'm going through that doorway. I will not hurt you, but I am leaving. So shoot me, if you will. And he bends over, puts his head against it. He says, God Good God, man. My gun could go off. <laughs> and uh, he he kind of just stops. The cop just kind of is like, what should I say happened? <laughs> He's just going to let him go. Like, like I think that there's a little bit of a, a supernatural force that works on people because they, they eventually kind of just give in to the will of the crow. Yeah, because like, what does that police report look like? Right. You know, like confronted demonic clown (laughs) let him leave and people just open up to him and there's a scene later on in the book between him and a little girl named sherry in the movie it's sarah where she just she meets him and immediately starts to pour out what she's feeling so i think that there's you know some supernatural like a supernatural wonder woman's rope (laughs) kinda yeah (laughs) it's it's like (laughs) It's like you you have no choice but to submit to the will that he yeah. is like throwing out there. Like if I'm going to kill you, yeah, they accept it. They know it. They're like, yeah, I'm about to die. It also sounds like another goth superpower. Sure, is that like he makes you really in touch with your feelings and right. gives you an ability to express yourself. 
So yeah, that, that kind of tracks. That's that's on brand. Yeah. So he, he says, you know, what what do I say happened here? And he says, tell Sergeant Hook the crow sends his regards and it ends tomorrow night. Also, I said a bomb, so you might want to jam. <laughs> and the officer's like, a bomb? And he says, have he says, have a nice life, son. And he says, bomb? Did you say bomb? <laughs> and then he, he kind of just watches him go. And then he turns around and he looks at Gideon again on the ground and barfs. Yeah. <laughs> just throws up. And now this Officer Albrecht is much, much different than Officer Albrecht in the movie. Officer okay. Albrecht is more of a central character. In this, you only see him a couple times. Um, but he calls Captain Hook, which is funny. Um, <laughs> says, you know, this is Albrecht. The pawn shop explodes behind him. And then it, I'll read this. I don't do this a lot, but I'll read what it says here because I didn't actually catch this at first. Okay. Uh, uh, Captain Hook. Uh, damn it. You guys know I hate that because he called him Captain Hook, right? <laughs> Sorry, sir. This is Albrecht. I just transferred in about three. I know. I know. What do you want, Albrecht? Or I actually calls him Albright. Um, something or something called the crow. And then he gets interrupted by the captain. Says the crow, big guy, six five, jet black hair, real creepy looking. The yes sir, he says it'll be all over tomorrow night. And then he says, Christ, Jesus Christ, where are you? What are those sirens? Um, Gideon's pawn. Gideon's dead. The crow torched the place. Fire department just got here in time to see the place get gutted. And then he says, okay. And you have Mister Crow in custody, right? All bright. And he says, no sir, I let him. Uh, he left. It's like, what? <laughs> Jesus, Albright, go on home. I'll send the lab guys over. Thank you, sir. So I don't, I didn't catch why at first. I, it made me very confused. But this Captain Hook guy uh-huh. knows the crow somehow. Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay. So he puts his hand to his head. He's like, Jesus Christ. He gets up to a filing cabinet and he pulls out a file that says Eric with the last name covered by his thumb. And then on the front of the uh, the folder, it says homicide. And he throws it in the trash. And he says, huh. perhaps God has some wisdom after all. And I thought that was really strange. Yeah. yeah and, and it, it kind of lends to the, the story that the crow is a spirit who inhabits people. So, like, maybe this cop like he's been around for a long time and, and he has seen this happen before he may right he may have that and that was the first thought of mine too is like okay so he's seen this before yeah but why would he go to the, i mean I, I don't know if you're gonna cover it but like why would he go to eric's file specifically right and that was the confusing part that was like okay i wonder if it's just that murder was especially heinous it just stood and, out and he was just waiting like okay yeah i knew he was going to show up all right <laughs> so maybe you take his file out because like technically he's not dead it's very like, possible. He's walking around, so we could we could Hey, guess what? This number doesn't count against us. All right, boys, we solved the case. Everybody go home. <laughs> All done. But it was it was very confusing and I was like, "Okay, well, I'm assuming that that's going to get explained later," which it it does very quickly. But that's near the end. Um and again, we're it's moving a little bit faster now because now he's already after Fun Boy. Okay? He says, "Rise and shine, Fun Boy. I've got some serious gifts for you." And uh, more poetry. I'm gonna skip that. Okay. <laughs> and now we're on to a a little a little mid story here. I guess it is okay. called "Elegy, uh, Irony, and Despair." Got a little bit more poetry for our our listeners to go ahead and read for themselves. A little bit of a callback to some dialogue later in the story here. But then we see the crow sitting alone, thinking yet again about his girl Shelly, right? And the cat's playing with a, a, an old Christmas ornament. Okay. 
and it reminds him of something. So Shelly is, you know, won't Eric be surprised, right? Won't Shelly be surprised, Eric says, as he comes through the door. And they burst in and they both yell, surprise, Merry Christmas. So it's another very, very happy memory. Yeah, romantic comedy scene. Very, yeah. And that's exactly the way, it's a perfect romantic comedy scene, right? You did this all by yourself. I was going to surprise you. Well, I was going to surprise you. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're so silly, right? And then they make love under the Christmas tree, right? Yeah, like if you just took these scenes, like you could make a nice Hallmark movie. Totally. With murder. No. <laughs> oh wait, no hallmark. No, sorry, no, no cut those scenes out. Uh, just gotcha. the nice scenes, and you get a nice hallmark movie. <laughs> they get a cat. It's all nice. Yeah, it's, it sounds really sweet. Just end it right there. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> just stop. And Merry Christmas and credits and move on. This is this is a slightly different ha- like end to his memory though, because this is the first time. I won't spoil the the dialogue, but. He says, you know, Shelly, I love you so much. And then it cuts back, or you see in the panel that it's the crow sitting on the ground, still miserable, still crying, but he's actually smiling. And he says, go away, cat. You make me smile too much. So the Aww. cat being there is kind of cheering him up just slightly. Oh, that's sweet. Not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> not enough to keep him from murder. <laughs> it's not enough. It never will be enough. No. But... It was. I think it's the only time we see the crow smile in a true way. Oh. You know, like he's he smiled at other people, but it was sarcastic, or it was because yeah. of the intentions that the, the 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 joy of finishing something. It was more. This bearing was a, teeth. Yeah, this, this exactly <laughs> bearing teeth. This is a smile of actual love. You know, it's it's That's it's the first nice. time that we see him happy, if only for literally hey, a split second. We'll take it. <laughs> Um, so he's after fun boy and he arrives at the building and there's a little girl on the steps and she's haggard as fuck. Doesn't really say how young she is, but she's very, very young, probably 10 or younger. Right. And, uh, you know, he sits on the steps with her and, oh yeah, he knows people's names. So he's got a bit of telepathy going on. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that with all the cop names. Yes. he, he, He knows everybody's names. He knows what's up. He's, he's got, you know, the crow. The, the, the spirit guide animal is yeah. how I kind of see it. it probably very whispers smart. in his ear. Yeah. They are very smart. That's true. <laughs> this could be the running theme of this. It's like every every superpower he has, like, well, crows are very smart. <laughs> they are. They're clever and they're creepy. So it works perfectly. So she, she says, Hey, mister, are you a clown? Right? Because she's, this is a fun face for her. And he says, Well, I might be. Can I sit with you? And he calls her names like sweetheart, darling, princess, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. These are all red flags. Kids, if, if someone, a six foot five clown comes up to you and asks if he can sit next to you, starts calling you all sorts of sweet names, no. get an adult. Find no. an adult. Start yelling. Yes. Where's your whistle? <laughs> Ask so, Siri for help. She'll help you. <laughs> well, I mean, this this poor girl, she's in a, she lives in a different world. Yeah, you know? no, this is, yeah, this is actually, yeah, this is a step up from what, right. what she's dealing with. Yeah, because it's not immediate malice coming from this person, right? right. The, everybody in her life is a drug dealer, pusher, abuser of some kind. I mean, she's got a black eye and a bruise on her cheek. Yeah. You know, so, so she's so like random murder clown is not. No. You know, it's, it's just like a regular part of her day. 
Right. And he's not sending out murder vibes, right? It's he's. And so because of the slight telepathy or supernatural forces mm. at play, she's immediately at ease with him. Right. So she says, I'm just waiting for my ma. And he's like, well, where might she be? And she goes on to explain that ugly Patrick didn't have no medicine. And ma went up to see Mr. Fun Boy. And he says, well, I'm here to see Fun Boy, too. What's your name, little angel? She says, Sherry. And he says, oh, that's very pretty. I knew a girl named Shelly once. She's gone to heaven now, though. And immediately, this little girl, she says, sometimes I think I, I'm bad. And God has sent me to hell. <laughs> like, hey, how you doing? Oh, are you a clown? Hey, by the way, I think I'm in hell and God hates me. <laughs> which, which, again, meeting a six foot five clown <laughs> dressed in all black leather yeah, kind of fits that. Like, I'm sure that was just her train of thought was like, yeah, no, I'm for sure in hell. Like, there's no way. Like, OK, <laughs> got it. All right. Thanks, Mr. Clown. So yeah. I'm in hell, right? Like, this right. Isn't... Yeah, this is this is the worst it gets. And I'm and I'm being punished for whatever I did. Correct. <laughs> and that th that's what I think that, you know, whatever telepathic type of influence he has on people, supernatural or otherwise, it gets them to just open up to whatever it is the crow needs you to open up about. Okay. And he says, he says, no, this isn't hell, but you can see it from here. Oh, that's a good and, line. And she asks, how come it hurts so much, mister? And he says, I really don't know. And then they kind of just have a, it's just one single panel of them just thinking. It's like a Morrissey song. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very depressing. And it's so, <laughs> so sad that this dialogue is coming from somebody so young. Yeah, I, yeah. I, and they, she's written young, you know, sure. and so I'm assuming that she's young. Um, and then he, he says, okay, hey, he breaks the science. He's like, hey, I got a present for you. She's really? What? And it was Shelly's necklace, but I think she'd like you to have it. And she mm -hmm. gives him, or she, he gives her uh, Shelly's locket. And she's crying immediately. She says, Jesus, mister, nobody's ever given me nothing before. Yeah. And uh, he says, you know, he doesn't say you're welcome or anything. He says, I'm going to go fetch your mother now, honey. And she says, you coming back? And he says, well, we'll be together again, Sherry, I promise. Which is not saying he'd be back, but. But exactly what a hell clown would say. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so in the movie, Sherry is renamed to Sarah. And Sarah is more of a central character throughout the movie and is much different in character. She's more streetwise. She's older. She is tougher. You know, this is a little girl who has obviously been abused, mm -hmm. right? And this is the first night thing that anybody's ever done for and is simply just giving her a necklace, right? So mm -hmm. she's miserable and tortured and it's awful. In the movie, she's not so sympathetic. She's more of just a tough girl who's got a absentee mother, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, somehow so, it was too sad for the movie. It's it's sad. It's it's really <laughs> sad. And then like later in the book, you see where Sherry sleeps, and it's just like Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> he heads upstairs, and uh, there's some dialogue. I'm not going to really get into that dialogue. It's for the for the reader in the future. Hopefully, they go and pick this up. And he smashes the door in fun boy and Sherry's ma are in bed together. She's getting her, her medicine the only way she can pay. Mm. And, uh, you know, he says, well, hello there, fun boy. And he sits up and he's like, well, who the f hell, who the hell do you think you are? Right. Mm -hmm. And crow says, shut your mouth pain junkie. I haven't asked you anything. 
and uh, closes the door, and there's a it shows a shot of a cat on the stairs. It's a very sinister looking Gabriel shot. Nice. Uh, Fun boy automatically thinks that somebody named Raphael is, has sent this guy to collect. And if if you're here to collect, you can tell him, and then he interrupts him. The crow is all about interrupting. He yeah, he seems to have like his own dialogue going. Like it's yeah. just like like almost like he's on autopilot, where it's like yeah, it, yeah, autopilot. You start yeah. a recording. It doesn't care if you interrupt it. It's just nope. going to keep playing. This is the spiel. I'm going to get through the spiel, and then one like sh- Nigo Montoya in in the Princess Bride is like, <laughs> I got this thing. I say, yep. like, I'm, you're not going to stop me. It. And he repeats the same question to Fun Boy that he actually did earlier in the beginning. I think it was to Jones. He says, are the bones of your sins sharp enough to cut through your own excuses? Wow. And Fun Boy, he doesn't have a fuck clue what that means. No. But Fun Boy's not dumb. In this version, Fun Boy is much smarter than the movie version. Hmm. But uh, he says, man, you best turn around and leave the way you came in before something really bad happens. And the girl, uh, Sherry's mom, says, you know, hey, he's scaring me. And cats are starting to like gather on the steps outside. <laughs> and uh, cuz I will tell um, you uh, every drug dealer has at least one cat. So right. so when they start showing up like I'm sure these are all, you know, fun boys cats. I don't know what it is about going to a drug dealer's house, but uh, you will cats. find at least two cats. Well, it started <laughs> with one, now there's three. By the end of the scene there's much much more. So all of the cats in the building and from the surrounding area, probably. Got it. Lot, lots of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see the uh, the spirit guide animal crow on his shoulder again, and, and he lets Eric know, lets the crow know there's a gun under his pillow. So that's, I think you're right. You know, you have this crow who, it's not telepathy. It's like this spirit guide who knows everything and tells Eric what's up. And it's like into this stuff. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> he's just waiting and, for like a human to like use. He's like, I, do it, yeah, do it. Like, ooh, that guy's shitty. Okay, I'm gonna resurrect this guy, and yeah. we're gonna take out those. And then, like, guys. your yeah. your humans. Like, I think I'm starting to feel better. No, shoot no. him. No. <laughs> and he says, the crow says, I'll kill you before you even touch that gun, Fun Boy. So Fun Boy knows immediately. You know, this guy's not to be fucked with. He yeah. knows things. Yeah, this he's not a messenger. Shit. He's not another another gang guy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is this is uh, uh, the scene in the movie at Funboy's apartment where Funboy shoots him in the hand and he he looks through it. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Yes, where where Eric looks through the hole in his yeah. hand and he's laughing as it heals. <laughs> <clears throat> well, none of that actually happens in this. He he's shot a lot later, but mm-hmm. um, the the scenes play out differently. He. He says, get dressed. This is another really interesting line. I really like this line. He says, get dressed, Miss Skin, before the space between us turns into tigers. Whoa. That actually is kind of cool. That not that a cool line? Yeah. That's, get yeah, dressed that like a- before the space between us turns into tigers. But, like, it sounds threatening. Very. But, but it also... It could sound kind of sexy in like a Michael Franks jazzy kind of way. Like, get dressed, Miss Skin, before the space between us turns into tigers. <laughs> I I see it as a huge threat. Like, I, I see this as him saying, listen, you've done bad things, but I know why. Mm-hmm. If you try and do a bad thing to me, it's going to go wrong for you. So just get dressed and get out. Right. Uh, yeah. And fun boy says, get out, Sandy. I'll handle this joker. 
And he says, and the crow, he says, come here, girl. And she says, I'm scared. And he has his hand on her head. And he says, go from this place, Sandy, before he sucks all the light from your eyes. Sherry is waiting. And this is the iconic line from the movie. Mother is the name for God in the lips and hearts of all children. And it's true. You know, your kids, they look at mom, mother, mommy. You know, that's their number one saving, you know, that's the safest place is mom. Yeah, no, that's a great, yeah, it's it's a great line. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very popular line from the movie. And uh, he asks twice, do you understand? And he's got, you know, she's wide-eyed, almost transfixed. And he's got his, her head in his hands and she can't even speak. And he says, I have some friends outside to escort you down. Go. And that's all the cats. So the cats gathered to lead her where she needs to go, which is kind of cool. Right? Yeah. He's got a little army of helpers. Sure. So he closes the door and he gets back to fun boy. And he says, you know, so do you have a pulse or are you a junkyard of meat and wire? What law of physics holds your atoms together? And like Fun half of like, this dialogue sounds like it was written by the Wu-Tang band name generator. <laughs> <laughs> like this is how Childish Gambino got his name. It was like the same but it's dialogue. All, it all works, right? It's it's all very um, it's all very gothy, like yeah. you keep saying. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's super very dramatic. gothy. Yeah, and yeah it's meant to be red with, you know, thunder claps in the background. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's it, and it, it's perfect though. It fits what he's doing, and it's all meant to, I think, instill dread in the people that he's talking to as sure. well. Confusion, fear. It's all bent towards making them suffer. Yeah, and fun is fun. Boy is like, dude, there's something wrong with you. And, and <laughs> no shit, no shit, and and the crow he just says he <laughs> says and this, of the year like <laughs> you just got preached to by a magic clown. Well, he's got a great response though, right? Like a lot of everybody he's come in contact with up until this point has said, "Dude, there's something wrong with you." Yeah. And the crow finally responds to being called crazy, and it's and it's perfect. He says, "Atrocity has that effect on me." Right. So like, obviously he went through anybody who goes through fucking bullshit is going to have an effect on you. So you're going to you're going to be a little off. And it's a reflection of of kind of the worlds they're in, too. Like for them, it's it's all it's all like tangible. It's all bargaining. It's all, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, I'll I'll just give you what you want. Like, you know, know, but uh, the crow is coming at it from. They're, they're, I'm beyond whatever you can give me, you know. Um, yeah. So the the dialogue from the crow is kind of ethereal, where it's like it's like you know revelations, you know. It's like these right. just weird, you know, because you're coming at it from a completely different place. It's a and reckoning, then, right? And they're coming at, at it from a terrestrial human survival thing, like right. Hey, right. cool poem. Um, but <laughs> like, if I give you a thousand dollars, will you go away? <laughs> like, I that's, can. I that's can. kind of like rooted in the in the reality <laughs> of like kind of a base existence versus, you know, this this you know supernatural, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you have you have Dracula monologuing, and then you have a regular person going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, like in the real world, like cool, super spooky worked like whatever you want it's all yours <laughs> please don't eat me 
please just go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I but I think it's kind of neat because like you get this these kind of, you know, like like the dialogue for Crow is very out of place because mm-hmm. the story is about these just base people who just you know are are feeding on each other, but he's coming right. at it from above, you know, right. and and so it doesn't fit, but it. it it, it, that's what makes it good is that it doesn't fit. If it was all just yeah. one-liners and so it all just kind of get, you know, kind of silly, and it, and he's he's the crow is only pointed in one direction, and so his his the way he speaks is always going to be pointed in that direction. Yeah, you know? yeah like his motivation is very clear, so you can you very can, clear. You can put a lot of weight in just the the little bits of dialogue he has versus having to craft, you know, a, a complete nuanced character you know you can mm-hmm. yeah it's it's more of a, a cudgel yeah right yeah and and uh it works you know it, it really yeah, I works dig it. i'm gonna it, i'm it, gonna write some of these down i'm gonna i'm gonna use them when people shit on us in the comments there i really love the atrocity has that effect on me because of course it does right of yeah. course it affects you i'm gonna remember so, i remember before the space between us turns into tigers I love isn't that, that great <laughs> <laughs> There's some great one-liners, and you know some of these. A lot of these weren't used in the movies, which is kind of a, a, a tragedy. But yeah. uh, Fun Boy turns out to be one of the more uh, very self-aware bad guys in this. You know, okay. he he's like, well, you know, okay, what are you here for? I'm not going to be much help. Do I even know you? Mm-hmm. And you know, he was going to go into this whole thing about who he is and if fun boy asks, what are you going to lecture me or what? Cause he's just yeah. sitting there staring at him and the crow is talking into Eric's ear. He says track marks and yellow eyes. He's definitely a junkie, but his teeth aren't gray and his skin's clean, probably morphine. So yet again, he's getting more Intel from the bird hmm. and uh, he walks over or more poetry <laughs> <laughs> and fun boy is just like, listen, so you're the crazy ghost man that's been doing in Tintin and Top and Sanchez. Uh, you know, Tom Tom's not talking much anymore either because, you know, Tom Tom got his feet cut off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he says, man, I was there when T-Bird shot you dead square in the back of the head twice. Christ, the gun was so close, your hair started on fire. Ooh. And the whole time, the crow is still kind of monologuing without acknowledging. He's saying more stuff. Sure. Um, I'm not going to read it because it's it's good for the story, good for the reader. He walks over, the crow walks over to his nightstand, and he says, and he starts to reach in, and he says, oh, man, don't take my dope. Take the rock and the money, but not my dope. Don't take the morphine, basically. So he's, the bird was right. The morphine is his, is his go-to drug. Uh, okay. And, and like the crow his says, you have weakness. His actual weakness, out right. His actual weakness. Right. Immediately. He didn't even fumble around. He just went right for the morphine. Yeah. He says, you have three vials. I'll take one and leave the rest. And Fun Boy's like, oh, aren't you a kind soul? <laughs> and then he, he crunches the bottle and yells, the gin mill. Be there at midnight. Bring some friends. We'll have a party. And Fun Boy, don't be happy. Worry. <laughs> <laughs> Little play on the song lyrics there, you know. Oh my god! Oh, this is so eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would I would put in a song cue, but YouTube would kick us off. Uh, we can <laughs> song cue. Go look this up. Go find that song. Yeah, it's it's not 
That's not how it was meant. It was meant to be much more lighthearted, oh, if okay. you don't know. <laughs> don't worry. Be happy now. <laughs> so. <laughs> we'll be whistling that later not know why. I know. I Yeah. Thinking about horrible <laughs> things and whistling a super lighthearted song. <laughs> he tells Fun Boy to meet him at the gin mill. And he's got some more downtime while he waits. And he's thinking about the most intimate things of his relationship right and the crow even says you know this is this is the most this is the worst place to think of it's the it's where everybody where the two of you were the most open the most honest Mm -hmm. the most in love right Mm -hmm. and then it starts to say you know you remember the smell of her hair you remember the, the touch, the innocence, the respect that you had for each other, the love that you were going to have forever and ever, right? But there's a subtext, literally text, that's beside what the crow is saying. It says, stick the knife in. And then it says, break it off. And then it says, deeper, twist it. Is it that stupid it, bird? It's, it's not the bird. No. It's the bird is asking, you know, is telling him is remembering all of this, you know, shining the light, shining off her golden hair, the, the, the paleness of her skin, just, you know, it's them making love. And it's this, it's the subtext of him torturing himself because the bird says, why do you do this to yourself? And it says him holding his head, gritting his teeth. He's thinking of something so pure, right? Yeah. But all it's doing is reinforcing the pain. Mm-hmm. And that's what he keeps doing it to himself over and over. I don't think that's something that any crow, right, any of the crows mm-hmm. can do. They can't not think of the pain because that's what drives this yeah, vengeful spirit. Right. Without it, what is there? There's just death, right? But in this story, it's what drives this spirit of vengeance to go after and, and make what was wrong now right, you know. So, book three. Um, not a lot of words in the beginning of this. It's okay. him loading up some weapons, getting ready for some some action. And is it weird it shows... that we were we were talking about the crow, and for the first time ever in any recording ever, my cat started scratching at the the studio door and wanted really? to get in. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, like we're talking about like, and the crow attracts cats wherever he goes, and it's like <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch. Like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Hi, waffles. You want to hang out with me? Okay. All right. Sorry. That that was interesting. Okay. Go ahead. So so we got so the beginning of book 3 is kind of a montage of images. There's not a lot of text at all. It's just him getting ready. There's some shots of a church of a priest holding a cross. It's just it's just kind of gear a scene of gearing up for another conflict, right? Okay. And it's another it's another memory of him and Shelley speaking to each other and she, and he says she she asks, "Mine." And he says, "Forever." And then she asks, only forever? And he says, forever and ever, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's a, another shot of him ready for action. So we're just we're shoveling coal into this fire. Oh, like yeah. Yeah, that's what... So just, just more and for. more and more fuel yeah. to the pit of despair that is driving this guy, right? Yeah, because he has to you know inflict it all on a lot of people very soon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like he's, he's psyching himself up, right? So he shows up at the gin mill. And these people are all waiting for him. It's Fun Boy, plus a bunch of other friends, just like he called them. So, okay, so the crow shows up. Fun Boy is waiting. There's, and everybody in the bar is a bad guy. Even the bartender, the guy's got a, 
<laughs> towel over his shoulder. They know? really want to make sure that like there there's no collateral damage in what's about to happen. Like whatever's going right. to happen to this place, it's fine. Everybody and it's bad. Get started. <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. And and he does a really good job of leaving everybody. There's no. I think there's only one. No, three side characters so far. Right there's been the girl B who got shot. Mm-hmm. There's Sherry, Sherry's mom. Oh yeah, and then Officer Albrecht. Yes. that's all the side characters, right? Oh, and then the 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 maybe Down syndrome kid who got killed too. And yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Captain Hook. Maybe Captain Hook. Yeah, yeah. I get. He was mentioned once so far. Right. Only. So yeah, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah. So so he's pounding on the on the door, and everybody's like, and our fun boy says, "Hey boys, this here's the guy throwing the party." And then somebody else says, so the vampire does show up. So obviously, Fun Boy has kind of described this guy's look, his demeanor. You it know? would be funny if he had actual like classic vampire rules and he had to wait for the gang to invite him in Not to let him he in. walk in. So he's like, <laughs> I am here. Yeah, that'd be would great. Would you ask me to come in, please? <laughs> like, no, stay outside. Stay outside. I'll be mind. waiting here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Just let me in. Come on. You open a window or something. You know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I've got pie. Uh, so fun boy says, you know, he comes in and he says, you ready for your Sunday school lesson, pal? And the crow says, yeah, I've come to kneel and worship. This is just another altar in the church of pain. Oh, that's like a Metallica line, right? It's awesome. And I think that this scene is this is like the 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 scene in the movie where he goes to the club and there's the the music and the dancing downstairs and then the bad guys in their meeting room upstairs. Okay. I think that this is what this is supposed to be, you know, its counterpart or whatever. Okay. But it's a it's just a regular old bar, not like a dance club or anything. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> he comes in and just like the scene before he says a whole bunch of stuff that they're just like, what is this guy talking about? He's speaking in prose. He's speaking in poetry. Um, <laughs> kicking bottles off the thing. Everybody's freaking out as to what to do. The The bartender's the first one to make a move. And he says, I'll put a stop to this quick, fun boy. Like telling fun boy, hey, I'll take care of this fool. And he says, oh, barkeep, would you hold on to this for me till I ask for it? And sinks an axe into his shoulder and neck. Oh. And he says, why, thank you, sir. <laughs> Hold this for me, shunk. <laughs> and then Funboy yells, take him out. And so the, all sure. of these guys, you know, there's a lot. They, they take out their guns and they start shooting. But, you know, he takes out his own guns and starts shooting. And something that you notice here is that he's getting shot. The Like the crow is getting hit. Okay. But he doesn't miss a single shot. He is, you know, bullet to the head, bullet to the head, bullet to the head. Right. Okay. And they're like, there's all of us and only one of him. He's not missing anything. How come we can't take him down? Right. There's all this banter. And, you know, somebody says, God damn, he ain't missed once. Somebody take him down. He's only one guy. Right. So they're, they're freaking out. They're dropping like flies and he's getting shot in the head. He's getting shot in the shoulders, he's getting shot in the, the stomachs. No, it doesn't stop him. Cause from their perspective, you have to think like when you come across a supernatural clown, that like impeccable aim wouldn't be one of like his power sets. So so from a from a uh, goon perspective, it has to be very confusing. Uh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> but like I literally just saw my bullet enter that dude's face, and he's still shooting at me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but he's bloody. He's bleeding. The crow, right? He's got he's full of holes. 
And Funboy says, so the ghost does bleed after all. And Eric replies, death, like virtue, has its degrees. So, yeah, I bleed. You know, <laughs> I'm not dead, though. Like, I'm a kind of dead. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the death genre. Uh, but I'm like a subset of death. Right. And there's, there's a, in this scene, there's a lot of uh, religious text. I think oh, yeah. he spoke and I'm not familiar with it. You know, he says martyrdom is now the price of salvation. And he was a, and he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and he keeps his pop in these fools. So he's saying all this stuff mm-hmm. until they're all gone. But fun boy, it appears fun boy that the party has ended and he's just sitting there calmly like fun boy is calm. Right. Okay. He says, you're not wearing a vest. Are you Casper? Don't matter no ways. I done what I done, and I ain't sorry. And this is what I meant by Funboy being the more self-aware. He knows exactly what he is. Uh-huh. He says, man, I done worse. Kilt this whole family up in Bloomfield Hills when uh, Patty pimped me on a key. Tell you this, pal, she was real hot, your girl. So now he's going to he's gonna go for the gut shot to try and get this guy to kill him outright. Right? Yeah, just like lean into it and see if you can get just like a quick headshot. Exactly. He says... <laughs> Even with half her head blowed off, didn't bother me none either doing her like that. So, Fun Boy is one of the worst people you can imagine. Yeah. You know, junkie, murderer, Uh sure, but he's also a rapist, and it doesn't matter if they're alive or dead to this guy. Uh, Oh, Uh, geez, we took like a necrophilia turn? (laughs) Yeah, that's what he says. He says, he says, tell you this, pal. She was real hot, your girl, even with her head half blowed off. Didn't bother me none either doing her like that. Uh, okay, when you first said that, I, I thought you meant like like doing her like that, you know, like a gangster nope. way of like shooting her. Like, like oh, I, I didn't. Nope. Yeah, he has a shitty grin on his face while he's saying Ew, it, too. So much worse. Ugh. So much worse. So, okay. yeah. So now tell Horrible. me what happens to him because I want something very bad to happen to him now. <laughs> so, well, so. Nothing bad happens to him yet. (laughs) He says, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process, he does not become a monster. Fun boy, go find T-Bird. I'm eager to be done with this. So the crow's covered in blood and he's saying, you know, just go find T-Bird. Let's get this done. Right. That was him being told that by fun boy. It was just like, fuck this. Yeah. We need it over. Yeah. More poetry, more poetry. Um, and then we switch again back to Fun Boy and the Crow. And he says, go fetch T-Bird. You know where to find me? Question mark. And, T- or, and, and Fun Boy answers the field by the old factory. Again, more a, a telepathic influence over these people. Mm-hmm. They, they know what he's thinking. He know, they know what he wants them to do or say. Right? Right. And the Crow says, yes, the road by the field you remember. Go and don't make me come after you, fun boy. I will hurt you a lot and slowly. And uh, he says, I ain't going to run. I got nowhere to run, at least from you anyways. Yeah. Right. Like, like I, I can see what you are. You're not human. Yeah. I know that I can't run from you. And then he says, he's again, very self-aware. You're going to kill me there, ain't you? And then he, and then the crow repeats the same line that he did to uh-huh. Tintin. Says, Fun Boy, you were dead the moment you touched that girl. Wow. And then Fun Boy says, Promise me you'll make it quick and clean. No. And then the crow <laughs> says, Yes, for you, I promise uh. not T Bird. So, 
So the crow is showing this guy mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, mercy. He's still going to kill him. Yeah. But he's agreeing to to not make it messy. He's going to make it easy. Because he has to use him as a tool. Like otherwise, He has like, to use him as a tool. Yeah, because if he could just get to T-Bird, he probably would. But he needs, like he killed everybody mm-hmm. that fun boy would see. It's like, all right, this is a this is kind of a done deal. Like, just do it. I also have to... I, I have to wonder, though, if if the crow knows things about people, I wonder if it's an unspoken sympathy for somebody like Funboy, somebody who's so damaged. Maybe there's a reason for it. You know, could be. <laughs> I don't know. It's not ever. It's not ever mentioned. Like, but what is the reason that somebody who did something so horrible? I, I, I think it's because he still needs him. Like, I, I, I just like to me, that's what it feels like. It's like, all right, like I'm letting you live so you can go get the other guy so I can kill you together. Or maybe <laughs> it's because he didn't contribute to her suffering. She was already dead when it was his turn. Oh, super gross. But could be. <laughs> I, It's super, super not good, but maybe that's it. So he says he promises to make it clean, but not for T-Bird. In one hour, no longer. And Funboy says, I'm a junkie, but I ain't no Judas will be there. (laughs) So now we get to the part of the story where we find out exactly what happened to Eric and Shelly. Oh, okay. And this chapter is called The Atrocity Exhibition, One Year Ago. Wow, that's a great band name. The Atrocity Exhibition? Hell yeah. Yeah. And this is technically uh, book four now. We're on to the last book. Okay. The home stretch. The home stretch. They are celebrating, okay? They're, it, it's hard to tell from the art here. Like one would might try and say the beach, but it doesn't really, like it might be a seagull, but it kind of looks like a field. Either way, they're they're out of the city and they're, they're celebrating. We're getting married. She's dancing. She's singing. And uh, he yells after her, you know, come on, it's getting cold. We need to get out of here, right? And she says, okay, let's go home. Got something in mind? And he says, yeah, something, right? So, little romantic illusion Sure, sure. And uh, they're driving a Cuda, a Barracuda. Very nice car. Sweet. And they're headed home. And it it looks like it might rain, getting cloudy. And she says, she's so happy. I'm so happy, Eric. And the very next panel is then pulled over on the side of the road, broken down. (laughs) And he's trying to fix it. And she said, you know, I think it threw a rod, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Can you fix it? Not with the tools I got here, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, right? Sure. Car comes up over the horizon and starts driving towards them with a little bit of their dialogue. Quit hogging the pipe, man. So they're doing drugs. Okay. And as they drive by, he's working. He's got, you know, he's got his head in the engine compartment. They throw a bottle and it, you know, crashes off the car and he looks up, hits his head. They come to a screeching halt. And she's like, what was that? And he's like, oh, just some kids. Uh-huh. And they uh, they stop. Uh, and okay. uh, they start uh, they start backing up. Mm-hmm. And Eric says they're backing up, Shelly, right? And a little bit more a little bit more quotes from them in the car they're talking. And he says, close the window, close the doors, roll up the windows yeah, and lock it. Because you can't right even back. like drive away. Like you're nope, stuck. You're you're stuck. They have a working car, there's multiples of them, and it's a, a dirt road. Yeah, and he, the you know, the shots of him are very solemn. You know, almost uh, like uh, he knows what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's a he's it's drawn in a way that makes me think that he has a very bad feeling. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so Law he says Order it, was newly on the air. Like he's probably yeah. seeing it and he's like, oh, I know what happens now. Yep. And he says everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And he's standing there quiet. So they get out of the car and they come up. What up, dog? You know, let me out. Let me out. They're trying to all get out of the car. So they get out of the car and they, you know, they, hey, can we, we give you help? And Eric's like, no, nah, I got it handled. Yeah. And they're all standing there and it's, it's T-Bird in the front. We haven't really seen T-Bird hardly at all. Right. We've only seen him very briefly. I don't even think I mentioned him yet. Like actually seeing him in the story, but he's the four, he's in the forefront. He's leading them. And you see, you see Tintin, T-Bird, Fun Boy, Tom, Tom, and I can't remember the other guy. Anyways. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And they're like, come on, we just want to help. Right. And then they, you know, they, they shows a back shot and they already have a gun in their hand. It says, well, maybe the girly needs some help. And he's like, come on, guys, give us a break. And, and, and T-Bird's like, is, is you begging? Why, you worthless piece of trash. I ought to take you down just for that. Ugh. What you got to say for yourself. And then uh, he says, Shelly, turn on the lights. So she turns on the car lights. I guess it's getting dark, right? Okay. And then T-Bird, he's like, hey, boys, why don't you go see if the little woman needs a hand? And, again, it's just Eric, he, he you know, his, the art is very much, he's slumped over and, like, his eyes are very low-hanging. He he knows bad shit's about to go yeah, down. Yeah, this is a nightmare scenario for essentially yep. anyone. Yep. And they, they know where they live. They know where they come from. So they obviously know where these people were from, They're the bad city, right? Yeah. And so the guys are all over the car and they're like, come on, open up, baby, blah, blah, blah. He turns around, put, turns his back to T-Bird and says, get away from her. And it shows fun boy, like open up, blah, blah, blah. And then like one of the other guys is, uh, I think it's Tom, Tom, he's licking the window and he he reaches over like, and he pushes Tom, Tom away. And then T-Bird shoots him in the back of the head. Whoa. So immediately Eric gets shot in the back of the head. And this is really gruesome shot. That was quick. Yeah. Just real fast. But he, he drops to his knees and he mutters, don't do this. And it, blood is just pouring down his face. Ugh. And he and T-Bird says, well, well, this boy sure does have a thick head. And, and it shows a shot of Shelly in the car watching in horror. Yeah. And then T-Bird puts his gun up again and says, do you have any parting words for your pretty lady or for your pretty little boyfriend, honey? And she's just got her hand up to her face, tears streaming down her face. And, you know, Eric's on his knees. And she says, please. And she says, that the best you can do? For shame. And then again, Eric looks up at T-Bird. And this is when Eric, for the first time, sees the crow. And it's just kind of a blurry vision of the bird behind T-Bird. And it says, hey, Eric, it's okay. (laughs) And then T-Bird puts the gun up to his head and shoots him again oh, in the back of the head. Whoa. And, and the bird says, it's okay. Um, this isn't your fault. Right? And so uh-huh. this is the bird talking to Eric already. Okay. It shows his hair getting lit on fire just like it was told. Ugh. It's real bad. Yeah. Well, um, at least he has company. I mean. <laughs> he has com- <laughs> But he's not, he's not dead yet. Oh. Okay. That so his. His eyes are wide open. And then Fun Boy says, or a Top Dollar says, hey, T-Bird, quit messing with that dead guy. Let's do the broad. And, uh, yeah. So he's he's not dead, and he can only lay there and see what they do to her. Mm-hmm. 
and it's a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. And uh, how how much detail do they get into it in the book? Is it is it pretty explicit, or is it is it more not, of kind of implied kind of panning it's not, away? So, it's more explicit in the words that they're using. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the art. Okay. Um, and then you know it, you know what they're doing. It's, it's, yeah. There's no there's no mystery. Yeah. And Eric yeah. has to lay there and watch because he can't move. Yeah, and unfortunately, we've covered the subject a, a, a couple of times, right? In these, in these books, I don't, I don't know why. Let's keep going this direction, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, you can see different different styles, you know, like um, yes. you know, a dynamite will lean into it, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. they're kind of going for a little more shock value, and then right. if it's a DC, it'll, you know, it'll be in shadow and kind of be implied by, right, you know. Uh, you know, facial expressions and, and things like that. You know, it's always, it's always, you know, cut away, but for an independent artist on a, on a, you know, kind of an indie label, you know, it's, it's always kind of a, a crapshoot of, of how far they go into it. Right. It's really kind of up to the artist. So, right. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's heavy nonetheless, you know? Yeah. But at least, yeah, at least you're saved from it being, you know, too gruesome. Like, all right, we get it. We're going <laughs> to, right. You know, like, so we, we see this happening to her and we, we, we can see how they're behaving, you know, they're animals, mm-hmm. but Eric is seeing this crow and the crow is already telling him, you don't need to do this. Don't look, don't look mm-hmm. right. Stop looking. Uh, they're yelling at the her to be quiet. She's yelling, she's screaming. And that's when, uh, that's when Tom, Tom, remember earlier when I said mm-hmm. that, you know, he, he told Eric how he kicked her to shut her up. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the words that are used to describe the kicks is scrunch and crunch. Well, those are, and then accurate. Huh? those are accurate onomatopoeias right. of, of that. Exactly. And then T-Bird gets tired of the screaming and just shoots her in the head. So she suffered a lot and Eric had to watch all of it. So he's alive for this whole thing. Like, um, there, Eric? yeah, he's, okay. he's, He's on the ground, facing that way, mm-hmm. eyes open, and he's not dead. Okay, um, she's now dead, um, and they said you're sick, man, and they drive away, leaving him there in the rain. Like even when the other super gross dudes are like, "Dude, you're super gross," like, right? Yeah, fuck That's that guy. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> but so Eric's not dead, and it shows it shows that Captain Hook, right? And uh, he's standing at the bedside of him, and he's all wrapped up and hooked up to a bunch of wires and stuff. And uh, he says, you know, it's real blah, blah, blah. It's real bad what happened. Here's my card. And as he's leaving, Eric says, the crow. And then the he looks very shocked. What? What did you say? And then Eric repeats, the crow. The crow said, don't look. And then it cuts to him, like, in the operating table with banter between the surgeons. Uh-huh. And then that's when he dies. So he dies later in the hospital when they're trying to actually save his life. Oh, wow. And that's when the crow really shows up. Nice, solid form, not blurry. And it's like, hey, Eric, hey, like, let's get out of here. You've got responsibilities. Let's get going. So kind of like the crow came to collect, right? Yeah. So now we're near the end of the story because it shows him up in the house again. And he, he smashes through, Eric smashes through the window and yells up, you know, into the heavens, basically, Shelly, I'm coming home. So he knows that he's finally almost done with his mission. And it says here, and it shows a picture of the house. Here's where it began. 
And this is the beginning of the end. We get another couple of shots of him and her in the good times, right? We see Gabriel. He's walking through the house and he's he's trying to find Eric. And he comes up and he's meowing and he's loving and he comes up and he says, it's time for me to go. He tells Gabriel, the cat. And he has all these guns that he's getting loaded up and ready for the final showdown. His arms are all cut up and he's dripping blood onto the bullets. Wow. Right, it's very... Yeah, macabre, yeah but it's a great, scene. it's a great visual. Like mm-hmm. you can't beat it. Right. It's a, uh, it's rough stuff. You know, he, he, he's saying goodbye to the cat Aww. and you know, there's some more poetry. Sure. Uh, but basically it's, it's this, these last few pages is just him getting set and ready to go. He's getting dressed. It's memories and then present and then memories and then present. And he's wrapping up his hand or his arms. He had cut to ribbons basically yeah. with, with tape. And so he's just getting ready. It looks like he's kind of dancing, like he's dancing with the spirit of the memory or something like that. And it's it's him gearing up for this. It's very sad, actually. Well, like looking at it, it's very heartbreaking. And uh, he's loading guns as he's doing this dance. And then he lights the house on fire. And he's got more shells in his hair, like the in the beginning when it right. said he's building yeah. a shrine or whatever, right. so it shows the shells that are in his hair, and he's just he's taping clips to his body, and he's just getting all geared up for this final showdown, sure. and then it's a really great splash page of of the house going up with Gabriel on his shoulder as he leaves. And there's there's a bit more of uh, there's some goodbye notes that he leaves. Gabriel the cat goes to Captain Hook with a message. Uh, you know, he's saying how he hates cats, but <laughs> here's a cat. Take care of it. Um, she's pregnant and she needs a flea collar. He's like, fuck, okay. <laughs> so he leaves her. He leaves the cat to him. So you know, a few goodbyes. I'm not gonna spoil them all. So the cat um, was probably Gabrielle then. Yeah, Gabrielle. Gabrielle and not yeah, Gabriel, if it was pregnant. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's something you find out. Twist reveal. Yeah. She's pregnant and yeah, it's Gabrielle. <laughs> So the crow shows up finally. Finally, we get to the last group of punks. All right. So Fun Boy is is still alive, and you know he was told to go get T Bird and yeah. find T Bird and have them meet where they're supposed to meet. And T Bird is is built up in this story in the book to be the main bad guy. He's like the baddest one of them all, right? Okay. Yeah. And he's like, listen, you're just this can't be true. The shit that you're saying. You know what I and Fun Boy's like. No, what I've seen, it's not drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like, nah. You know, you're dumb. This, this is not possible. Yeah, PCP makes you feel bulletproof, but you are not, in fact, bulletproof. Right. And he's trying to say, no, it's the guy that we killed a year ago. He's back, and he's killing all of us. And T Bird's like, listen to yourself, dude. You're just you're fucked. Yeah. You're just a junkie. You're screwed up. Like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. And then he's like, fun boy, you come over here talking shit, bringing me down. Junk has done it up your head, boy. You used to be pretty smart. Now you just make me sick. You junkies are pathetic. Get the hell out of here. And he's like, like, fine, fuck on it. On one hand, finding out about like, a, you know, a ghost clown out to kill you is like, you know, it's hard to believe. But when mm-hmm. you're these people, if there was a ghost clown out for vengeance, they would for sure be going after you. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, it's a kind of a <laughs> like, I shouldn't believe in this, but yeah, if it was going to happen, it happened to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Huh? 
Uh, yep, that makes sense. I'm the right kind of demographic for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he, you know, T-Bird says, get the hell out of here. And Fun Boy's like, hey, can I hook up first? Basically, can I do some drugs wow. first? And he's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fine. You're about to fall over already, but go into the kitchen and then get the hell out of here, right? So T- or uh, Fun Boy goes in mm-hmm. and he's getting ready to shoot up. And the crow looks through the window and he says, fun boy. <laughs> Boo. And he's like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> and he puts his fingers up to his mouth and a shh, be quiet. Like, don't let him know I'm here yet. And so T- our fun boy's like, man, I told him, you heard. Like, they won't listen to me. I done what I could. And the crow says, I know. It's fine. Sit down. <laughs> have a seat. Relax. I promised you a painless death. Well, it's time. And uh, he says, wouldn't do no good for me to tell you. Uh, for for me to yell for T-Bird and the guys, would it? No. And he's like, no, it's not going to help. <laughs> like, no. And he says, listen, I can't say why I done the shit I done. I wish, that I, I wish I could say I was sorry, but I ain't. I'm a monster burning from the inside. Obedience is, is submission veiled with gravity. I never let nothing define me or limit me. Wow. And then the crow says, fun boy, I cannot give you absolution. In a few moments, your sins will be between God and you. Have you read Milton? And he says, <laughs> yeah. And then he asks, lathe? I'm assuming it's pronounced lathe. I don't know. Mm. And he says, yeah, I understand. And I don't understand because I've never I, read any of that well, shit. I think it's in Latin. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I've don't. i never read Milton and I don't know what he's saying. Apparently, fun boy understands, but I do not. I was going to say, it's it a very, uh, very well-read drug dealer junkie yeah like it's and that's eloquent. that yeah t-bird just said that too he's like you used to be smart but now you're just all fucked up yeah no that's yeah good good call on that yeah yeah so so crow says here's your morphine go ahead and do it all of it right now and and fun boy says thank you ghost man perhaps i'll see you in hell wow and he says fun boy your crime was the most important because it was in cold blood it was the act of it was the act of a soul which having destroyed everything within itself has accumulated immense strength. It knows its own dark secret. And this can be completely identified with the acts of total destruction and soon to come. You were dead from day one. Hmm. Wow. And then, uh, and, and the crow is putting a whole bunch of drugs into his own body. And, and fun boy is like, man, that's a whole CC of medical grade morphine. You just pumped into your own heart. And he says, we do not recognize our souls until they are in pain. And uh, Fun Boy says, spoken like a true angel of death. And the crow <laughs> replies, the divine is no less, no less paradoxical than the vicious. And then he starts to carve a crown of thorns into his chest. Whoa, that is so metal. And he says, I'm wearing the crown of thorns T-Bird placed on my head. And then Fun Boy, as he's slipping off into the abyss, says, I'll give Lucifer your regards, ghost man. Do me a favor. When you kill T-Bird, kill that bastard slow. <laughs> and then uh, it shows, you know, his, he's face down on the ca- on the table. He's dead. Huh. And uh, the crow wrote in blood, says, I know why Jesus wept, motherfucker. That's how that's how fun boy goes out. Yeah. So it's so strangely merciful. Right. I, right. Maybe fun boy represents the uncontrolled addict that killed Oh, his girlfriend. Sure, sure. And where he is the one that did, you know, the worst by just yeah. not being in control. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because we're getting very biblical anyway. So, very. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very like, you know, uh, yeah, he could just be a representation of the sin itself. Yeah. It's, I guess it's up to your own interpretation as to what it means. Sure. You know? Uh, I like I said I usually don't get super deep on this stuff so I'm just doing the best I can to, to figure <laughs> it out but uh, in in the meantime uh, T-Bird and a couple of his or T-Bird and I think it's Shelby the Giant I think it was Shelby the Giant they're they're getting ready to, to head out so they're like we're taking off get this guy get, you know get Fumboy awake and get the hell out of here but Fumboy's dead. He yeah, no, he's that's he's done. <laughs> so the crow heads upstairs, and there's all these guys waiting for him. And he just he just wrecks shop, right? He just blows everybody away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, leaves one of them alive, and I'm in. It doesn't really say why he left this guy alive. There does seem to just be some random mercy here and there. Yeah, or he's just conserving bullets. I don't know. That could be. <laughs> Anyways, so it cuts. He he leaves that one guy alive. I'm gonna I cut out a lot of the action so okay. you guys you know people the listeners can read it for themselves. T Bird and Shelby the Giant roll up to another club, okay. right? And he's you know he rolls up and he says, "So D, how many guys come up with right? How many how many I I you know T Bird called ahead. How many guys did you get mm-hmm. to deal with this freak yeah. basically?" <laughs> And so this this other thug just starts to randomly name off all these dudes, and they're like, "There's no way that anybody's going to come in here and and beat 15 guys, right? What's going down? About 20 of your best people are already in zipper bags, man. Yeah. And and T Bird's like, "You getting smart?" He's like, "No, no. I'm just what is going on?" And he explains, you know, Fun Boy says we got a ghost on our hands, right? Uh, he wrecked up the happy flower about an hour ago. So don't sit down, like get everybody ready. Yeah. He says, are you carrying? And he's like, of course, like we're all strapped and ready to go. And then he asks, you know, how you doing Shelby? And he says, what's it look like asshole? And he's missing fingers. <laughs> and I don't, I I'm trying to find the place in the book where Shelby got his hand shot off. Cause he's missing fingers. And I don't know where that's at, but Shelby got hurt earlier in the story, and I don't remember where it was at. Okay. I might have to go find that. So <laughs> he says, he says, Shelby says to T-Bird, he says, do you believe in any of this ghost shit? He's like, I believe in dope, guns, and broads. And then he asks Shelby to push in the lighter. <laughs> like, you know, he's got to light his cigarette. So they're sitting in the car waiting for everything to go down, right? And Shelby keeps trying to tell a story, but T-Bird keeps interrupting and like just kind of talking. Okay. The the lighter pops out. He grabs it, lights a cigarette, and he's like, hey, Shelby, did you hear something? And Shelby's like, eh, probably rain. <laughs> and then he hears a, and then Shelby the Giant's head disappears. <laughs> and the crow is in the backseat uh, of the car awesome. and just pulls a... Uh, Pulp Fiction, except kind of reversed. He's in the back and he shoots it <laughs> over the front window instead of the back window. That was 100% where I was hoping he would be. Like, as you're describing this scene, I'm like, oh, he's going to pull out the, the cigarette lighter and it's going to be just enough light to show, like, a grin in the back seat. It, it's a just enough light to show the gun yeah. pointed at his head. Okay. <laughs> so, boom, right? Shelby's head is gone. And it's literally, he's drawn half of his head. He's got his face. Wow. His mouth and his nose is still there, but the top of his head is, is all over the front windshield. <laughs> it's nasty, right? 
and T-Bird's like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And he's trying to, he's a blood, got to get the wipers on to get the blood off. And, <laughs> and, and now the crow's actually sitting on top of the hood or on top of the cab or the, you know, he's sitting on the roof. It says, T-Bird, you idiot. The blood is on the inside, yeah. inside the car inside your head for the moment uh, oh wow nice and he jumps down and he says get out of the car you bastard i'm going to kill all your foot soldiers and i want you to see this so another little montage of the crow just wrecking shop <laughs> he says gentlemen don't you know enough to go in out of the rain he says man it ain't raining he says are you blind it's raining blood but i digress <laughs> and then he <laughs> takes his coat off and he opens his hands up and they're just, I don't, you know, there's some words. I'll uh-huh. let people find out. And so they say drop them and they just start shooting, right? And this is more of the more finished art again. We get really nicely rendered okay. uh, splash pages of, of wicked art. It's really good. So this is a very important scene. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a very important scene. He took a lot of time and it just shows him riddled with bullets. And it says, it's not death if you refuse it. <laughs> And they're all sitting there wide-eyed. like Somebody has a tattoo of that oh, surrounded yeah. by barbed wire that they got in the 90s. Like That's, that's oh, an yeah. amazing quote. <laughs> Absolutely. There's probably thousands of people with that on their body. And, uh, and they're all like freaking out, right? And T-Bird's like, stay put. This is a trick, homie. Can't be real. Because he's still standing there. Mm-hmm. And the bullet holes are closing up. It shows how they're closing. And they're like, what? What the hell? What is happening? And he just kind of disappears. He just, right, out of his sight. And he's behind them in the shadows. And yet again, we see him surrounded by more cats. (laughs) And they're like, did anybody? It it would be at that point in my gooning career that I would turn the gun on myself. (laughs) Like, if I'm here to defend you and there's a ghost clown of vengeance who has just absorbed three dozen bullets right. and is surrounded by cats right now this ain't gonna end well just take yourself out just just right through the temple go down and let them deal with the rest of it i'm out <laughs> yeah i agree it's like you know what this guy no chance right so they're freaking out it's so funny and they're and he has no guns now he just grabs the guy from behind and starts snapping necks right Wow. And it's really good art. This is a, there's been a lot more time put into these panels, so it's a lot more detailed. I wonder if he maybe started here and worked his way back. It's very possible. You know, like you just get some some visceral stuff out of your system, you know, or like this is like, yeah, I really want to, I need to spend some time here, you know, and then you and then you write the sad stuff. You kind of draw that, you know, you get through that as quickly as you can. Right. It, 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 it does feel kind of like uh, he was practicing as he went. Does that make sense? Like yeah. his art seems to have gotten better. Like he's building up right. to, to this. Yeah. Right. So there's there's a lot of gunplay. There's a lot of death. Uh, it's a great sequence. It's really, I, I use the word fun. It's, it's not a fun <laughs> situation. But you get what I'm saying. Yes. He says, oh, you sewer rats are so faithful. You cause me to blush to my bones. You never stop dying for me. <laughs> So he's, he's in a pile of bodies and he's just, oh, you, you pieces of garbage never cease to throw yourself at me so yeah. I can get sweet, sweet relief from taking you out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he proceeds to kill the rest of them, right? Sure. It's just him. There's a couple more really gruesome things that he does that I'll, again, this is the end of the book. Sure. I don't want to give a lot away. Yeah. Um. And there's a really great shot of his face, and he's just, it's like he's in a blood lust 
like manic rage, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and T Bird sees this face because it's this nightmarish ghoul covered in blood running from the tip of his nose to his tongue. Whoa. And uh, he says, forget this nightmare. I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm gone. So he jumps into his car <laughs> and he says, buckle up, Shelby. It's the law. Man, you stink. Because <laughs> he's just this dead guy in his seat now. He gets in, takes off, and hits the gas, right? He's gone. And, and, and the bird lands on his shoulder again and says, does T-Bird know where he's headed? No. He doesn't know. But I know. The crow knows exactly where T-Bird's going to drive to. Dun, dun, dun. And, and T-Bird's like, says, so long, Detroit. Got some brothers up in Flint. Walking nightmare won't never find me there. Yeah, that's not far enough. <laughs> says, God damn it, Shelby. Quit flopping your slimy head in my lap. You make me sick. Because <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's driving crazy. So this dead yeah. body's just kind of flopping around. And then he's like, I ought to stop and dump your dead ass. But ain't no way I'm slowing down for nothing. That dude ain't never going to catch up. And he says, shit. And he sees being chased in another car. He says, this is the wrong road. This is the wrong road. This is where. So it's back out onto the dirt road. And he gets run off the road by the crow. He, it shows his, he wears uh, sunglasses and there's a reflection of the bird and it uh-huh. makes him swerve. Uh-huh. And then the car flips. And as the car flips, it kind of lands on his legs and crushes him. Uh-oh. Right. Okay. And he's laying like he climbs out of the car and he says, oh, Jesus, my legs are all busted up. And then Eric pulls up and gets out and says, and T-Bird's like, come on, do it, you pussy. You ain't shit, right? Mm-hmm. And the crow's like, hey, T-Bird. <laughs> he's just like, hey. What's up? And then he says, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Oh, God. And T-Bird's and like, a fucking quiz? Yeah, more Joker shit. Man, I don't know. It depends on the tune. <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's T-Bird leaning up against, his legs are all busted up, and the car is flipped onto its side. And he's leaning up against the back. And the last shot we see of T-Bird is a low shot of Eric holding a hammer. Ooh. And uh, that's that's all she yeah, wrote. that's no way to go. For... For <laughs> oh, good. That wasn't going to be a quick death. No, good. We don't see him die. It's we okay. We don't see T-Bird die, but we know yes. that he dies by hammer. That's all we need. Yep. So T-Bird, and that, that's the last one. T-Bird that's was the last one who needed to die. And then the last few pages are kind of like the movie. It's uh, it, it doesn't really show him traveling to this place, but it, it's the cemetery. It's some angelic figures, some statues, a door that's open, shows a door that's open. And that's that door I was telling you that's obviously a Photoshop. Okay, got it. It's a, it's a, it's an old black and white photo that's just in there. And then it shows two graves and he says, hello, Shelly, it's over, baby. I'm coming home. And it shows him leaning against his own gravestone and then more flashes of memories of them together on the day that they were engaged or the, the day of their celebration mm-hmm. of their engagement. And then it shows the crow flying above his head, but kind of now not a solid thing. It's kind of ghostly, like it's leaving. Mm-hmm. And then it shows more angelic statues, them kissing. And he says, remember when you said mine and I said forever and you said only forever? And he says, it's forever now. And then he's back in his grave, and that's it. Whoa. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. Oh, and also it shows him, you know, putting the gun down. Oh, well, that's good. That's it's, good. You don't want yeah, to bring a piece into right. heaven. 
might set off the wrong right. tone. Yeah. Wow. That that was definitely the most dramatic story I've I've heard in a while. <laughs> it's very very dramatic. Um, very sad. It's nothing but sadness. Yeah. Like I did identity crisis before this, and it had kind of a similar story, but it was like, but also Superman's there. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like yeah you have the the comfort in knowing that there's like actual uh, ridiculously overpowered yeah angelic type beings that are there yeah. to make the day better yeah i know like in the back of my head like superman will help and and in this it's just like <laughs> you know in your time of need you just like get like a mean crow who shows up and tells you to like do worse shit <laughs> yep do horribleness it's your job, and then you can go back to sleep when it's done. Uh, wow, wow. Well, that was that was really good, though, man. That was that was a hell of a story. Like, and and it's it's nice. It's so encapsulated. Like, it's just wow, start to finish. It's perfect for that. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not surprising that it turned into a movie so fast I know, because yeah. the story's perfect. For but it, but it yeah. really yeah, it has a very cinematic pace to it. So would you would you recommend people check it out? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, the movie, like I said in the beginning, before we started this saga, was uh, very much one of my favorites. Still is one of my favorite movies. Uh, the book is amazing. Mm-hmm. Horribly sad. Yeah. It's way more tragic than the movie. The movie is very heroic yeah. in a way. You know, you have very big moments of of him being a superhero you yeah. might say good music the music is amazing the the art direction yeah. is amazing all the actors did a really good job yeah but the book it's a lot stronger yeah yeah it's definitely denser so it's a lot heavier of a story. It, yeah. like yeah with the movie it's more of like you know here's this terrible thing that happened now let's watch like, like let's watch bruce lee's son do some really cool action sequences like that's kind of how it's right you know it's paced more for the movie but yeah this is is really like like all right well here's 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 the here's the fuel and here's the fire and they're kind of in in equal pieces um also fun fact the movie was about half as long as this podcast (laughs) i'm sorry i went i went really long (laughs) it's it's a good story it's a good story and and i as you know it was pretty dark it's pretty dense it was it was was pretty evil so i thought it's a nice quick aside uh, we would move on to the hold list. Yes. And uh, Jeremy, I know you've been talking for a while, but I thought you might like to take a quick break and tell us about your adorable new kitten. <laughs> yeah. So on a much, much, much happier Yeah, speaking note, of, of people getting accumulating cats, tell us about your new... Uh... <laughs> so I used to not like cats, and I'm still very much allergic to cats, but my wife really wanted a pet, and I'm not ready for a dog. Long story short... I can deal with a cat as long as I don't like rub it on my face. I just gotta, I can pet them and, and, and all that is fine, but I just can't spend too much time with them on me or else I'm miserable, right? <laughs> um, he's a very young kitten and he's all black except for he's got a little white spot on one of his toes. Aww. And uh, <laughs> we named him Bruce Wayne. Yes, that was my favorite part. I was gonna say, okay, now what's his name? <laughs> Bruce Wayne the Bat Cat. Uh, he's about. Eight weeks old, I'd say. Eight, nine weeks wow. old. Very young. And he's full of energy, and he's just the cutest little furball. Ah, uh, it's so sweet. I've been uh, listeners. I've been getting regular updates. <clears throat> Jeremy isn't isn't one to to share a lot of pictures and stuff, but uh, like somebody with a new baby, uh, I'm suddenly my phone is blown up with uh, with pictures of kittens, <laughs> which is you know nice. You know, I'm, I'm spending most of the day uh, here alone editing, and and every now and then I get a little you know, and I look and it's a picture of an adorable kitten 
is something that everybody needs <laughs> in their life. Who's just running around playing? Uh, well, good. I'm I'm glad that that at least from here, from this recording, you can now <sighs> and then go play with a kitten because I think that's really critical yes. for you right now. Having <laughs> yes, I'm going to have lunch and then play with a kitty cat. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, listeners, we, we've been working on this episode for a little while, and I know that that Jeremy's just been just wallowing in the misery of the crow for weeks now so thank you yeah. for for getting through that we we appreciate you're it you're welcome as... my pleasure all right well i'm going to move on to to my hold list item this week and uh we're going to talk about someone called nat yes and his youtube channel called nat's when i reckon hell yeah. so this one is kind of from both of us uh nat is a comedian musician, mental health ambassador, and pandemic isolation cooking champion. Champion. Yep. Nat has been making videos as Nat's what I reckon for a while now. He has an audience of around 1.6 million, which is only slightly above our 11. Uh, A little bit. He has close to 100 million views across a variety of platforms. So if this isn't news to you, I apologize. But it was news to me, and it has made my life better uh, having been in it. So I wanted to, to... pay that forward so youtube cooking videos are a dime a dozen i know yep lots of those but what i think is interesting is that this channel didn't start out that way so he typically did like man on the street kind of reviews like he's got some really good ones from like some boat shows and some car shows and it's like he's super punk rock so he kind of gets away with poking fun at at that like overly materialistic culture um and and it plays because you know he looks like someone who would be making those jokes yeah and and jeremy introduced me to him as he reviewed running like as a concept <laughs> yeah and decided right. that it was shit yep shit af <laughs> to be specific <laughs> I think that was the official grading yep so but when the pandemic hit he observed that pasta sauce shelves had been picked clean but the fresh produce sections were full and untouched so he released right. a single no-nonsense instructional video on one of his tried-and-true pasta sauce recipes in his traditional sweary and strangely encouraging style. And boom, the clip went to whole new levels of viral for him. Oh, yeah. And so now he's kind of pivoted his channel towards cooking and most importantly towards getting people into cooking with fresh produce and away from packaged meals. And being extremely simple. Yes. Yeah. These are all very doable things. There's there's kind of not a lot of mystery there. It's it's you know, it's it's pretty clear and, and concise. It's also gonna pivot us into our IRL Hero of the Week segment. Uh, so recently, as of this recording, Nat did a special for Sacred Heart Mission, who specializes in services for the homeless. So the challenge was make a good, filling, nutritious meal for under $4 per person. Now, $4 is the average cost of a hot meal for a homeless person. Right. And with more people than ever struggling to make ends meet and provide for their families, it seemed like an appropriate target to shoot for. And many people are, understandably, using a lot of inexpensive packaged meals to stretch that dollar. I know I do it. I'm a grocery outlet queen (laughs) but nat is always focused on fresh real ingredients and he's super punk rock so the good stuff is never expensive right so here's a quick clip from his youtube channel so you can get a taste of his style and a quick language warning uh if you have your kids in the car with you earmuffs and if you've listened to the rest of this episode with your kids in the car tell us wrong with you yeah what the (laughs) 
Sounds fucking great. Why not? I can tell you a bunch of reasons why not. Here's one of them. Vegetable powders, pumpkin, 6%. Bacon powder, 0.8%. Mmm, fuck yeah, powdered bacon. I think what's most fucked up about this garbage is that it's got fucking meat in it that lasts on a warm shelf till 2022. <laughs> no. No fucking thank you. I love the way he presents. Ah, isn't it great? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so he also has a new book you can pre-order. It's called Uncook Yourself, A Rat Bag's Rules for Life. And that's at natswhatireckon.com. Uh, I need to pick that up. I did. I, 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 yeah, oh, you I did? I pre-ordered it. Um, it's sold oh. through an Australian independent bookseller. Uh, fortunately, they support international orders, so that's how I got it. Bonus, free shipping. So if you were thinking about ordering it through Amazon to save a buck, it's not there. And as Nat would probably say, <laughs> fuck Amazon. Right. So uh, check out Nat's What I Reckon on YouTube or natswhatireckon.com for more information. And Nat, you are our first international hero of the week. So congratulations. You won't be disappointed with his channel. It's amazing. It is really great. Unless you're somehow averse to swearing. But I don't think you'd be listening to us if you were. Unless you're trying to cancel some. Well, I don't know. <laughs> now it, He's great. Here's what I find, though. So he's Australian. So with an accent, swearing just doesn't sound as bad. It kind of sounds charming. <laughs> like it's got that right. Gordon Ramsay but not mean kind of feel to it. <laughs> like it's just him. It, he swears like, you know, your friend who swears too much. Right. Yeah, it, it's, right. it's that. It's, you know, it's fine. It's fine. He makes you feel right at home. It's it great. does. Yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great channel. He's, so, so, yeah, a very disarming uh, personality. It's yes. great. It's it's yeah, really good. Yeah. So, yeah, check that out. That's what I reckon. You will not be disappointed. All right. That will do it for this week. Next week, we do some quick math. What's Rick and Morty plus Venture Brothers minus jokes? The answer is 2013's artistic masterpiece, Black Science, brought to us by Image Comics. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for this one. I almost picked up the first trade of it not too long ago, so I'm really curious. It's it's a great one, and unfortunately, it kind of gets away from the current subject matter. It's just... It's adventures. It's like hijinks with high science. Like it's it's we could use it. Yeah, it'll it'll be nice. It'll be, <laughs> we'll throw that in there. No rape. No, I don't. No murder. I don't think so. Maybe some murder. I, it could be, and if so, I'll make it brief. <laughs> All right, email us at mindingthemultiverse at gmail.com or find us at this multiverse on Twitter to recommend story arcs, tell us what we're wrong about, or if you have any old videos of yourself slowly goth dancing to the Crow soundtrack, send them in. Jeremy could use some new moves. Mine are pretty stale. I need some new I need some new material. Help them out. <laughs> yeah, help me out. For Mining the Multiverse, I am Gabriel. And I'm Jeremy. And remember, all of this is now canon.